0: Hello, this is Greg Prado, author of the books Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked, as well as the Eric Carr story, amongst many others. You're listening to the Shattered Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Rock and roll!
1: and salutations welcome to the shout it out loudcast don't turn your radio dial you're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode number 24 we are calling this one we are going to paint this episode red gold green and blue and when we touch you you'll be touched by love tom zeus i'm ready when you are how are you
0: that entire intro it was just horrific terrific <laughs> well no it's it's i thought uh, it was uh, creative what I'm exci- are you talking about i'm excited because it's breakfast with with bad english we're <laughs> recording sunday morning 9 a.m eastern time 6 a.m west coast for sunny it's breakfast with bad english it's apropos of the album we're doing top <laughs> <laughs> the whatever. best album we've done this will
1: be my number one i'm telling you right now
0: Zeus and I were like, Sonny, we got to do this now. When? As early as you can do it. Can you get up at 6 a.m. and record this? We got to get this behind us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this will be fun.
2: Yeah. All right. So here we are again. Uh, Before we go on this, kiss cruise, and One of us will never return. Uh, (laughs) We decided let's move this one up a little earlier and get it done so we can concentrate on whatever else we have to do before we go on this cruise. So here we are with bad English, but as usual, we always go backwards and we see uh, the feedback that we had on the previous episode. And uh, Tom, it it, it appears that uh, several people feel like we punched their mom in the face or we uh, kicked their grandfather down a flight of stairs or something, uh, or we picked a grunge album to do. So you want to get into uh, Pearl Jam 10's feedback?
0: Yeah, let's do that. There's quite a bit, but before let's uh, let's try not to forget our our good friend and fellow cruise mate Tony Masalam for the fantastic intro music. We have to make sure we don't hurt Tony's feelings. So we're gonna thank him for the intro music,
1: and then we'll the guy save at the every top of the list of not making it back from the cruise.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, those are the those are your Draft Kings odds right there. <laughs> <laughs> But like Zeus said, we go back to uh, last last month's uh, album review crew, Pearl Jam 10, which was my pick. And of course, an album that big uh, garners a lot of uh, feedback, both good and bad. So uh, we always start with our poll. And the poll was favorite song off of the album. And our options were Alive, even flow, Black, and Jeremy. And I was a little bit surprised by this, that uh, Black won with 34%. Um, Alive came in second at 31, even flow at 23. Jeremy came in at 12%. So Black was the big winner there, which I guess it's not that big of a surprise. Had a couple write-ins here. Our buddy uh, Anthony Barone wrote in Porch. That was Zeus's favorite. Yes. Um, Keith Roachford, easily black, a killer track. I was lucky enough to see them in Chicago before they hit it big. Um, Darren, I went. Black, still a great song off a great album, but honestly, if I never heard Jeremy or even Flow again, I'd be fine with that. Uh, and then, of course, our good friend Sonny Poonie says, why go? Because things are better somewhere else. <laughs> oh, um, that will come up many times in future episodes. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will. Uh, DG from Tennessee, Black by a mile. Really? By a mile? I don't know about that. Stuart H, there is nothing... Nothing in capital letters wrong with this album. Jason Kennedy. Honestly, I'm burnt out on all these songs. These days, it's the second side of the album I enjoy. Porch, Garden, Release, Oceans, all great songs. Yeah, A lot of people say that. The, the first half of the album is so hit, hit, top heavy with the hits. Uh, Bandana Guy. I picked Jeremy, but Porch is my absolute favorite Pearl Jam song. Yep. Then we got a message from a gentleman by the name of Chris Friel who commented and said, I played... On the demos for black and what became even flow yes he did that was pretty awesome that was it that was an in- interesting bit of feedback there. that was kind of yes, cool he did yeah uh let's see a couple more write-ins here a lot of people saying uh black surprised by this clark side of the moon great review honestly this is a desert island album for me sorry sunny poony no filler on this album at all once and porch are the top tracks in my opinion those citizen dick guys really did well for themselves, referring to the uh, the fictional band in the, in the singles, which we also reviewed the soundtrack. Go back and check that if you missed it. So there's some poll stuff. We'll get into some episode-specific uh, uh, Twitter stuff here. Um, our buddy Steve never has been my type of music, but to each their own. If you love it, good for you. This album is hard work to get through. A Good job. You guys are funny because this album is like shit hanging off a stick. <laughs> wow. Nice. That's Oh, God. Oh, boy. Uh, Here comes Tony. I'm sure this will come as a shock to you guys, but I really like this album. I wore it out when it came out. I even sing Black at karaoke. That said, amongst the great songs on this record, there are definitely clunkers. Oh, and Zeus is nuts for picking Porch at number one. Wow. There's
2: there's no way he can put a comment up. Without there being something extremely negative,
0: of course it's curmudgeon. Exactly. You can't just yes. be positive. Exactly. He oh, that was Masalam. He liked yes. that album. That's oh, that- oh my god, dude. Yes. <laughs> Tony's like Tony's. Are you no longer friends with him? Thirty years of That's friendship it. gone. That's it. I'm erasing his <laughs> the contact. contact is deleted. right now. All right, done. <laughs> and of course, then our good buddy Murph. He's wondering: Was there a wellness check done on Sunny after this recording? <laughs> <laughs> uh, our buddy, I love it louder I freaking love this album The guitar duo gets me every time Stone Gossard is amazing and versatile Mike McCready is a legend, straight up rock Thought we were going to roll out Temple of the Dog Guess there's always, the, this is, could be the next pick From Sonny Pooney. oh god, imagine that Combining Eddie Vedder on a Grunge album With another bit uh, Buddy, uh, Todd Herrig I knew eventually Grunge would make a return To ARC, but talk about a 180 degree Turn from the awesomeness of the Dawkin album I'll I'll still listen, of course, but I have a strong feeling that my taste will likely mirror Sonny on this review. Oh, boy. Oh, and then our buddy Joel Hoffman, who never holds back his vitriol. I have rejected this genre of music since its inception. <laughs> I, I like that. I've rejected this. Somebody offered him a joint. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not. I'm- I despise it. It does nothing for me. No surprise. Most people involved with it killed themselves. <laughs> oh,
3: Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's,
0: wow. It's boring, depressing, devoid of anything I like in music. But I will still listen to you guys no matter what you talk about. Okay, I'll take that, Joel. Thanks, buddy. And, oh, and then and then our buddy DG again. I cannot believe I agree with Sonny on this one. Oh, boy. Space Ace 30. I'm so glad we have Sonny on this episode. I haven't listened to this album for over 25 years for a good reason. Oceans is brutal. They really <laughs> released this crap as a single? <laughs> <laughs> then our buddy West Beach. He, uh, he hates Pearl Jam, but he posts a picture of Eddie Vedder wearing a Plasmatics T-shirt, so that made Wes smile a little bit. Um, oh, God. Oh, then this was Nige talking about the, the Dawkins episode and how we were shitting on Exodus and all that stuff. We talked about that during our Patreon uh, live chat. Uh, let's see here. We got JC, another great episode. Love the variety. Would you guys ever consider doing a Night Ranger album? Well, perhaps. You never know. Ken no. Renton. Heaven, heaven. What's that? What's that, Sonny? No, Oh, stop it. <laughs> Not after we hear him on the kiss cruise. <laughs> eh, I- I'm excited to see them on the Kiss cruise, but we'll decide what we do with them after that. Uh, Ken Renton haven't had a chance to listen yet, but I can already picture myself yelling at Sonny because of his opinions while listening in my truck and the people driving by me, wondering what the fuck is wrong with me. Oh, there you go. So there's a Pearl Jam fan yelling. Oh, and then our buddy Nige, just speaking of vitriol, just going off on this album. And he was just upset about people calling it the best debut album of all time, but that's okay. We love Nige and uh, that's some, that's some Twitter stuff. Zeus. What else have we got on uh, the book of face?
2: Yeah. So uh, let's start with Facebook. Daniel Reeve. Ugh. More grunge <laughs> nonsense. That early nineties <laughs> college kids pretend was somehow cool. <coughs> I wish those bands could have just afforded the trips to therapy instead. Oh, well, at least it's not more Iron Maiden. Well, guess what? You know, I, I just want well, to real... take a shot at Maiden on the I, way out. I, I, I just have... want to
0: jump in real quick. <laughs> this is a good time for me to drop this comment here. All of you people out there bitching about our grunge selections. I hope you enjoy bad English.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Um, Paul Yakuber I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if I didn't do it correctly. Uh, I've never understood this band. Does somebody really go to a Pearl Jam concert and shake their fist in the air, chanting "Jeremy smoking class today"? Is that really rock? Or can't find a better man? Maybe some people just like the homage to Kiss at the beginning of the Alive solo.
0: So do people really go to an Iron Maiden concert and raise their fists in the air and chant about dinosaurs? Is that what you do, too? Yeah. Apparently. Come on. And then yeah, Well, Sonny does. Sonny does.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then somebody named Murray Passeru says, I agree. PJ is probably the worst band in history. Mike, yes almighty. Mike Murphy jumps in and says, does somebody really go to a concert and shake their fist in the air chanting, Loves like a glove and it fits just right.
0: See, that's a good line. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Daniel Peoples, four laughing emojis. Almost feels like you guys are trying to weed out some listeners.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. We're doing that with this episode.
2: <laughs> Looking forward to listening to this. I remember seeing the video for Live in middle school and got the CD as soon as I could. I always think about this and Ugly Kid Joe together because I saw the PJ video and everything about you on the same day. <laughs> Pearl Jam had a very strong run. This, is a, this album is amazingly solid with great aggression, melody, and just a bit of weird out-of-the-norm rock sounds. Um, Sean Hammond, finally, with about five exclamation points. I've been waiting for this since the ARC started. Ooh, all right. The fact that it is over three hours makes me warm all over. Wow. Okay. Ryan, Michael Scott. Oh, hell yeah, guys. Can't wait to listen.
0: Ray Farrell. Why do you hate us? <laughs> <laughs> the master. That, that might be comment of the week right there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. David Zanet, our good friend, David, the masterpiece so he, of the 90s. He loves Pearl Jam and Mike McCready. Yep. Dan O'Halloran, Pearl
2: Jam is the quintessential 90s grunge. This album speaks to me this day, even though my tastes have moved on. Not surprised that Sonny didn't like it much. It's a masterpiece, but it seems like he only digs music that's about as deep as a puddle. Yes. (laughs) I love that the tone of music changed in the 90s to include depression and angst and more important issues. The 80s hair metal often seemed like it was only meant to make us forget about what was actually going on in the world and to kick that can down the road. Grudge Grunge was that fucking can. It was a ball of issues ready to blow. I loved every minute of it. Great episode. Fuckos.
0: That's a good comment.
1: And I think that's a good point, right? Like 80s music, the stuff I'm into. It was the getaway from all the crazy shit that's happening. Yeah, that's why I'm into it. I already lo- I already live it every day. I think there are a group of folks, which that's OK. There's nothing wrong with it that want to hear that in their music, too. I use music to get away from that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I got you. I, I don't plan. I hear you. Uh,
2: Adam Nickmeyer. a song about a serial killer done by Maiden fucking rocks. Pearl jams. Get the fuck out of here with that weak crap.
0: What? He needs to tell us what he really thinks.
2: Yeah. Uh, then he also wrote last week, Dawkins isn't really a hairband. This week, this depression, depressing, whiny, preachy pile of dog shit isn't really grunge. Oh, he's shots.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, li-
1: I like it. Would love to hear your thoughts on bad English. Please make sure you comment. Yes. Oh, boy,
0: <laughs> They're like, nah. Have we done have we done an album yet that has like elicited this kind of like passionate feedback, both love, hate Wait till we do Nirvana. Yeah, that's nah, um, true. Good point. Michael
2: Anderson. Damn your Boston accents. I thought you were saying Mama San Trilogy up up until an hour ago and a half before I realized that you were saying Mama Sun Trilogy. No. I was wondering why I never heard any lyrics about massage parlors. <laughs> and then, Tom, you clarified it is Mama san.
0: Yes. Daniel yes. Sun. Yeah.
3: <laughs> You're the best friend I ever had. Are you pretty okay too?
2: <laughs> Five to one. Too much ask anyone. Um Sean Hammond, I bought this record in March in ninety-two and listened to it nonstop for three months. The problem was I only listened to the first six songs. When I listened to the full album one day and discovered deep. It became my favorite song on the album. I love the remastered version, but the original release is still my favorite. This and will be in my top five records of all time. It changed my life. As a music listener, it did something to me emotionally, and none of the other records were able to come close. Seeing them live four years ago is an experience I can't explain. There is something about this band that can't be explained. They may have been bundles as grunge, but they escaped that label in their other releases.
0: Mm, Good stuff. Okay, cool.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, Let's go over to the group loudcasters. Okay. Paul Yakuber has a a couple other comments he added. And I usually don't double up, but he had some funny stuff here. After listening to hours and hours of shout out loudcast, I gathered an image in my head that you, I think it's talking to you, Sonny, were a very tall, lanky guy with a beard. I don't know why. And then Sonny writes, instead, I'm a short, fat, clean guy. (laughs) Sunny, Sunny, you're not short. Um, oh, <laughs> I like that. He didn't... <laughs> who, who am I to talk? <laughs> um, I think they I think he was probably describing me uh, when he said that too. And then he also wrote, "You and Poony put way too much stock in lyrics. The music fucking rocks in the sound. Who gives a shit what you're thinking about? Even though lyrics are amazing and powerful for the most part."
0: Tom. Oh yeah, that was me jumping back in there, like yeah. obs- the, obs- the obsession with lyrics.
4: Matt See, Wallace. the thing to
2: me
0: is, do you watch movies with mute
1: on? Like, what they're saying and what they're doing matters, right? It's not just what yeah. you
0: can see. Like, it's supposed to be both things. I agree. No, no. I, I agree that lyrics matter. But for me, like, a song like, uh, to me, a song like like Once, which I know you don't like at all, Sonny. Musically, that song just absolutely kicks ass so he could be singing about suicide or rainbows and it wouldn't matter i would still enjoy the song obviously the lyrics would affect me differently but the con the musical content is so good that when it's that when it's like that i don't care what what words are coming out of his mouth but i i get your point i do get your point
2: lyrics do matter and people always still get confused about that stuff i remember reagan in the 80s was always blasting born in the usa from bruce yeah, you fucking idiots listening to the lyrics. It's actually critical of yeah. us in the it's US. A, it's a very
0: anti-American song. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, yeah, boy <laughs> in the USA.
2: You know, it depends. I think sometimes it works, or you can have a song like fucking insane clown posse doing a song about a tilter whirl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or you like- could or, or you could have a song called When I See You Smile. <laughs> yeah. You could you could have that too. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just change those around. Tilt the world in When I See You Smile by <laughs> incline, Insane Clown Balls. Whatever the fuck you but call I, those.
1: ICP. <laughs> ICP. Yeah, there you yeah. go.
2: The Juggalos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that Eminem song when he raps about them. They're fucking awesome. Oh, oh. God. all right. Matt Wallace. Uh-oh. I can't believe this is as clean as it is. Great album. I prefer the sophomore, sophomore effort a little more. I still rank Alice in Chains and Nirvana a little ahead of penis jam. That's the cleanest he's ever been.
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah,
2: Uh, Dan Curry. I hated Nirvana when they came onto the scene. Grew to appreciate them later. On the flip side, kind of dug Pearl Jam when they came out. Pearl Jam these days when they come on the radio, instant skip. Wow. Yeah. And Jason Warden, I enjoyed this episode very much. Always thought Pearl Jam was miles above Nirvana. Whenever I never gave, got the love for. uh, They were good, but PJ, along with Soundgarden, AIC were great. I admit, I wasn't a fan of the 90s at first, but now it's a different story. Keep up the great, funny-ass uh, episodes.
0: Cool. Thanks, Jason. Nice. Yeah. And let's go over to YouTube. Oh, here we go. Doo-doo. Do-do. do <laughs> There's
2: somebody named What About Rob? Oh, my God. Is, uh, commented, I think, on... All 180 episodes of ours, Tom, he, he subscribed like the to our last U-
0: two weeks. Yeah, he subscribed to our YouTube page and is going through every episode, just firing off comments. which and is we, great.
2: And we love it. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, what about Rob? But now we have actual time to actually uh, acknowledge that. And we do uh, appreciate your comments. So thank you. Uh, I have to disagree that no one could have sold black singing because Cornell would have done it just as good. But I agree that black is an incredible song. Um yeah and he also added love the podcast it was actually Roger Daltrey that did that infamous mike lasso bit he's right oh yeah
0: that's right especially
2: yep. when he's doing won't get fooled again
0: yes um mm-hmm.
2: so he and finally finally said neither the guys in PJ write memorable guitar leads Whoa, bland and have no actual direction very basic blue leads Wow. I'm not sure about uh, that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't really agree with that. Whether or not you like Pearl Jam or not, I, I, that's, that's a unique criticism on the guitars there.
2: Pete Starros. Pearl Jam is a forefather of grudge. It makes them more to be appreciated that they're still around today. Rest in peace, Lane, Kurt, Scott, and Chris. Dude, that's fucking insane that mm-hmm. we have to say that, all these guys. So the only one left is Eddie Vedder and your favorite. Uh, Billy Corrigan uh, from the main grunge
0: band. Fuck him. They're not even grunge. That fucking bitch band.
2: (laughs) I like Smashing Pumpkins. I like them a lot. Those albums are fucking great. Oh, fucking great. Uh, Anthony Stratus. Great choice. This album I love and hate for so many different reasons. As I was still flying the kiss flag in 91, 92, and being mocked by my Pearl Jam Nirvana Smashing Pumpkin friends. Overall, and over the years, me and my friends agree and respect both of these eras of music are the golden eras of rock. This album is a 10 out of 10. No doubt. Great episode. And so glad you guys reviewed this album with your utmost integrity and heartfelt opinions. Wow. Rocking guys.
0: Integrity.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's a what do
0: little- we. Yeah. What do we do? We-, we can't let people think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm done on this end, Tom. All right, let's kick off some emails here. Uh, I'll start, and then I know Sonny's got a few, too. So Michael Murphy, Tom, thank you for picking 10 as the subject for the ARC this month. As a diehard PJ fan, this was an album review I was looking forward to, and as usual, you guys killed it. While 10 is probably my number three Pearl Jam album, it's without a doubt a classic album and one that defined a generation. First off, in my humble and completely biased opinion, Tom's analysis throughout the entire episode was spot on. I, there you go. This is my this is my email burner account. I also appreciate the fact that Tom put 10 as his number one album in the rankings. Plus, he had the decency and good sense not to rank an iconic album like 10 behind an above average rock album from a second rate 80s metal band like Dokken. I was also pleasantly surprised by Sonny's review, as I expected every song to get the oceans treatment. But he actually liked a few. However, his takes on why go deep and release were spectacularly awful. And for that, I say, eat a dick, Sonny. Nice. Again, great job, guys. I always look forward to the ARC. and Enjoy everyone's diverse takes and differing points of view on the subject album band. Granted, I never thought I'd live to see the day where a self professed Pearl Jam fan ranked a Dawkins the album over 10. But I guess that's what makes these albums reviews so entertaining. For shame, Zeus. For shame. Yeah, Mike Murphy
2: (laughs) blows Tommy throughout any time he makes a comment. He can't get enough. Oh,
0: fucking Tom! What Tom said. Oh. I love it. Uh, and then he says, "By the way, Leonard Skinner rules." Second helping is a oh, desert god, island god, album for me. See? Oh <laughs> my god! If, if Zeus can get away with an Eagles album, then surely Tom should not hesitate to throw Skinner's name into the ring. Until next time, fellas. Oh, Mike Murphy's my new best friend.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I dare I dare you to throw Skinner in the ring. I <laughs> don't not? dare not. <laughs> We have done the Eagles in bad English. Skinnered is leaps and bounds over both bands. There you go. I said it. Oh, hell no. That is beyond hell stupid. No. I'm sorry. That's right. horrible. All right. we'll wait, wait,
2: that. wait, wait. wait. We'll see. He has a Tom room like Sonny's like music room behind him. He definitely has these Tom picks all over the place. Oh, yeah. He loves you. And, and it's, it's oh, always like crazy. Joe Davola. <laughs> <of him. laughs> I,
0: I got a picture of you coming out of work showering. You took yeah. a picture of me showering. <laughs> and then
2: and then Tom said he liked this album cover. And then Tom said he came Ugh. up with this brilliant analysis.
0: If anybody if anybody can't tell how upset Zeus is that somebody agrees with me, now you're hearing it live on the show. This
2: guy does not just agree with you. He fellatios you all the time. When he witnesses
0: greatness, he just jumps <laughs> on it. So, yeah, it's all right though. Like you can have one burner count. This guy has like 20. That's, That's fine. True. Well, speaking of somebody, this, this is not a burner account. This is Mike H., who likes to fire off multiple emails, <laughs> like one word at a time. <laughs> his, his first email. Pearl Jam 10 is so much easier to digest if you treat Eddie's voice as another instrument mm-hmm. rather than a stinger. Okay. 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 Um, oh, and then he said, Zeus, th- see, now he agrees with you. He said, holy shit, you just said what I said earlier which is that alive is love theme from kiss. Yeah. That's, um, you, that's my burner count. As yeah, You know, oh, with yeah.
2: my ATT, I'm my date. <laughs> and then this. <laughs>
0: okay. Oh yeah. I want to write this too. Uh, oh yeah. And then, this he, too. Then, he, then I like, then he, then he like, you know, he goes, Pearl jam is a euphemism for baby batter. There's a term I haven't heard since like fucking high school.
2: Mm. God almighty.
0: I know. Understand. Please explain.
2: I, I've baby. never heard baby batter either.
0: Baby batter. <clears throat> yeah. Like sperm. Yeah, jizz, pearl jam. Oh, my God. The
2: stuff on really? your chin, Sonny,
0: would right there. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, now we got Paul wow. Heider. Paul Heider here. Sometimes, fellas, the day-to-day grind can wear a guy down. And I was feeling myself ground down to an existential nub this morning. <laughs> but imagine my surprise and delight to find a new ARC episode in my podcast queue with the title 10. Yes, a ray of light breaking through the bleakness of my unrealized long-past potential, of a future retirement spent leaning in a Walmart entrance, greeting shoppers incoherently as my heart pumps a final deadly clot into my brain, (laughs) a reminder of my glory days when now was all there was and the pretty girl dancing with me held all the promise I needed and together we weren't afraid of the dark because Dave Menachetti said it was going to be all right. And for a moment this morning, I heard that promise again. I heard it in that one word, 10. Okay, not the album I would have picked by Y&T, but hey, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Oh, my
3: God. He was a bit
0: surprised. That's a great (laughs) intro. That's a great (laughs) intro. Uh, Then he says, Paul Hader. It's pronounced Hider, but Hader is grungier. So there's that. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Uh, And then we got one from Ray Farrow which uh, we we read some of his stuff on social media and he does not like this album. He, and of course he agrees. He he agrees. (laughs) Oh, you got to read this. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Here we go. First of all, you know, I love you guys and all things S I O L and Sonny Poon. However, your ARC episodes have caused conflict in dissension (laughs) in my brain that I just can't quite explain every month. I look forward to the ARC episode dropping, but for the last five months, My initial reaction has been great. Another album that I either hate, don't care about at all, or never want to listen to again. 10, grunge, mostly hate it. Back for the Attack, subpar Darkin album when compared with others. Hotel California, what the fuck are you kidding me? Look what the cat dragged in, really? Once bitten, 45 minutes of meh. But then I find myself spending the next 14 hours of my life (laughs) listening to whatever episode it is. (laughs) And really realizing that no matter the topic, listening to you guys talk about it is always one of my favorite listens of the month. Your ability to rope me in, keep me entertained and actually enjoy a review of an album that I don't give two shits about (laughs) is a testament to your skills as podcasters and sets you apart from many of the other similar shows out there. So even while my initial reaction is near hatred for the choice of album, (laughs) I end up actually (laughs) loving the show. I applaud you for it, even though many of the albums you choose are awful. (laughs) My second take, my second tale of love, hate is solely with Mr. (laughs) Pooney. While I always enjoy his take on music, I am amazed at how I swing between love and agreement. And then a minute later, I nearly wreck my car while listening because he says something so ridiculous that my mind can't process it. Case in point. I was catching up on back episodes of Growing Up Rock this week and couldn't believe my ears when I heard Sonny say that Don't Close Your Eyes from Dawkins' Tooth and Nail is a horrible song that makes it a not perfect album. This was after listening to his glowing reviews of the many very below average songs on Back for the Attack. Later in the same episode, he destroys "Kisses Almost Human, which is another take that made me almost swear off Poonie listening forever. Both of these songs are absolute classics that are awesome representations of different styles of both bands. Then I listen to your review of 10, and Sonny brings me back in by perfectly articulating how I feel about that album. Yes, there are a few great songs on it that I listen to regularly. Jeremy, Evenflo, Alive, and Black are all standout tracks from that era that I mostly despise, that I really enjoy. But the rest of the album is basically unlistenable as a fan of 80s era metal and hard rock. I don't know how he does it, but after the episode, I find myself again in Camp poony. I just can't wrap my head around how someone with so many opinions that are perfectly aligned with mine could just make me hate his guts five minutes later. Of course, I'm kidding with my use of the word hate, but again, your ability to elicit these kinds of emotions and still generate loyal fandom is another indicator of how great you all are as podcasters. Keep up the great work, and for the love of God, pick some truly great albums for future episodes. Like Operation Mind Crime, any of oh. the first three crew records. Screaming for vengeance or defenders of the faith. You can't stop rock and roll, the last in line, etc. Sorry for the long email. Love you guys. Ray Farrow, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ray, that is fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. And I'm sorry to disappoint you that none of those are this month's. Instead, <laughs> you get bad English. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> that's a that's a fucking fantastic.
2: So he loves all those bands. That you can't stand their
0: singers, pretty much. Yeah, right. Well, no, no, no. I like Operation Minecraft. I love Queens, right? But like the whole Maiden kind yeah, of. Yeah, some of the yeah, some yeah, Judas yeah. Priest maiden. vocals,
2: and yeah, things like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonny
1: yeah, you wanna he take likes t- those. He likes those higher register singers, yes. and he likes the new wave of British heavy metal type yep. of driving music which yeah, makes sense about why he
0: doesn't, which makes sense why he doesn't like Pearl jam. Cause it's the exact opposite of all That's that. Right. That's right. That's right. And, Sonny, you want to take us so, over? Uh, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, sorry. Whoa, whoa. And the last oh, thing I was going to yeah, say, go ahead. And it seems he likes the older docking versus the more poppier.
0: Back yeah. Attack. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Sonny, take all us right, over so a got few got more emails.
1: Yeah. So I've got a few emails. Uh, you know, why go? Because the buffet's open. Okay. okay um, all right. First one, Justin Steele. Guys, great review. Sorry about my back for the attack email with shit punctuation. I've never been good at all that. I'll try to be better. Uh, Speaking of 10, I had just left high school when this album came out. Uh, It just makes me think of that time. Everyone in college was playing the shit out of this. The songs are very moody and deep, so they made for a lasting impression. I appreciate the album a lot more now uh, since I know what some of the songs mean. I never spent the time looking at the lyrics or thinking about them. But thanks to the review, I now have a greater appreciation for this album. I had never heard anyone say that She Solo was like the uh, the solo from Doors 5 to 1. I'd always thought that Ace must have ripped it off a bit. When you guys mentioned it, I was like, okay, I'm not the only one who thinks this. Mm -hmm. And another reason why I love listening to these reviews. Keep up the great work.
0: Nice. Thank you, buddy.
1: Cool. Uh, from Chris in Tennessee, first of all, you guys are great. Love the album reviews, even the ones with Sonny. Just kidding. <laughs> he seems like a great guy. Are you just kidding about I seem like a great guy? Or whatever.
0: Um, are you kidding about actually,
1: Yeah. Personally, I actually like the reviews of lesser-known albums like Detonator, Once Bitten, more than the popular ones like 10 or Hotel California. Partially because there's a chance you guys are going to shit on them, but more because I have a softer spot for some of the lesser-known deeper cuts. Even giving yourself away why oh boy why go there's better music (laughs) um the funniest thing to me is zeus voiceover of paul's stage banter holy (laughs) shit how many people you
4: (laughs) how many of you girls like to get licked
1: um i was on a run with my headphones and almost choked on that one last thought sunny and tom have joked multiple times that paul was jealous of so-and-so song because of the -the over-the-top sexual lyrics maybe y'all He said, y'all, by the way, should do a top 10 songs that Paul wished he had written. Maybe dudes can do the intro of each one, even a breakdown with some stage banter in the middle of the song to boot. Oh, that would be a good
0: episode. That's a good one.
1: All right. Our friend Wesley, I guess Twitter wasn't enough, so he sent an email too. So Wesley Beach, I am firmly on Team Poony on this one. I knew it. And he gets bonus points for Pretty Boy Floyd love. (coughs) All right, Wesley. I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, make sure you clarify that, Sonny. <laughs> I was kidding about pretty Boy, Boy. <laughs> Um, But anyways, uh, like Sonny, I can't stand Eddie Vedder's gut- guttural singing and over pronouncing everything. I guess he's okay with the ooh, 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 the, the that's he's okay with. Um, by the way, I I took that little piece of the episode oh, and then po- wow. put it over the actual song. And I was actually in key. It actually sounded oh, pretty good. Oh, Jesus. You got yeah, so. Yeah, look so, at all anyway. this free time you got. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes on to say I never bought a ticket for the Grunge Train, and your review hasn't done anything to change my mind. I find it unlistenable, and in my opinion, a dark era in music, both figuratively and literally. Interestingly enough, I saw Warrant on their first tour, and they were all fringed out in flannel shirts and blue jeans. Wow. Shortly after, the record company pulled them off the road, gave them a glam makeover, and the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. Yeah, was so I guess Warrant started with the – I saw Warrant early, too. I don't remember them being in flannel, but I might have saw them after they were already pulled off the road and had to wow. put leather pants on. Who knows?
0: I was looking forward to Wes's feedback on this because there was an episode not long ago he gave us some feedback like he does every week which we love and he he said something along the lines of at least it's not Pearl Jam this time so I knew that when <laughs> Pearl Jam I knew I knew that when Pearl <laughs> Jam came around he was going to be like oh shit you know what I
2: love is that <laughs> this whole pretty boy Floyd people can be like yeah you know I like bands like this like like Sonny does, like Pretty Boy Floyd. And Sonny's going to be like, dude, I was joking. I was joking. I (laughs) don't like to.
0: Hey, if we can can do anything, let's get everybody out there to think that Sonny likes Pretty Boy Floyd. Let's do it. Hey,
2: Sonny, I got a a Pretty Boy Floyd demo from uh, 1998. You want it? Oh, Oh, that's really uh, weird. Oh, you mean the mama kicked me out ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send them. The The 7-Eleven sessions. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's where they're all working now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, but I always liked that West was like, oh, that shit's dark. Dude, you were in the plasmatics. What are that's, you talking about? No, I want some cheery music. Are you kidding me?
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> Wendy O. Williams, like firing machine guns on stage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and army fatigues and stuff. Right. Like, oh, the warrant is uh. Now that's the band for us. Come on, Wes. We love you, man. But I know wait, wait till we do Nirvana. If you think this is fucking hate, and it We're will gonna, be will be
0: soon. Oh, god almighty.
3: Yeah,
2: oh boy. I'll be, be alone cool. on that island. No, their, maybe you never know. You, you, uh, with you, their greatness, I'll be alone on that island. That's all right. It's coming soon. Prepare oh yourselves. Oh we'll boy. get feedback on that now, it's too, Tom.
4: Oh, yeah. But but
2: Let's turn our attention to Sonny's pick. Yes, everybody, don't shoot us. This is Sonny's pick. Sonny, you decided and with your kind of coyness that you do, uh, what kind of album should I pick for next next time? Should it be uh, do you want it to be like a more recent album, a hair metal album? Uh, this we're like, pick what you want. He picked this. I'm not taking any blame for this. Tom's not, this is all on you Tell us how you got Into and found this album That you decided to Share this with all the listeners
1: (laughs) So we're at 1989 at this point So I'm out of high school I'm uh, almost 20 by the time This thing comes out and uh, you guys know, supergroups have been around for a while. You know, rec- record companies has done a great job, like, creating some for every generation. So if you're in the 60s, maybe you got Cream or Derek and the Dominoes. If you're in the 70s, you got Bad Company, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, 90s had, like, Audio Slave and Ad Season and stuff like that. Well, for the 80s, it was really, like, The Firm, The Power Station, Damn Yankees, Mr. Big. But even though the record company didn't technically create these guys, Bad English. I was already a huge fan of John Waite. I was already a huge fan of Journey. I'm growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and these guys are getting created in the San Francisco Bay Area. So Bad English had a huge push here. I'm starting to make money, so I got got enough money to go see him live anytime I want. And to get you an idea of how hard they were getting pushed here, the band was together for less than two years, and I saw them live eight times. Holy that's how often they played here right wow. i saw them in clubs i saw them with raging slab wesley does that th- that does not mean i like raging slab by the <laughs> way um they played with warrant they played with white snake they played with enough's enough another one i do not like uh so they played kind of with everybody they played arenas they played theaters like it was really getting pushed here because neil sean was behind the band so that's kind of why i got there and of course they were on mtv so it was kind of like the mix of everything you would do, very similar to Mr. Big, because Mr. Big grew up here, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that you didn't have a choice but to like them, but you ha- you didn't really have a choice to not at least hear them and then make your own determination of what you want. And uh, to me, this is the bang zone of the stuff I like that crosses between hair metal and adult contemporary and the journey and the top 40 charts and MTV and all that. So that's why I got into it.
0: OK, I'll take it from here. So for me, Bad English, um, I know very little about this band other than their their big hit, which was When I See You Smile in 1989. Um, I, I grew up loving Journey. Uh, as I mentioned many times before on this podcast, I had a sister who was four years older than me, um, and that kind of influenced me into a lot of the music that we were listening to. So I grew up as a huge fan of Journey, and I knew John Waite from the Vision Quest soundtrack, the movie. Uh, hint, hint, hint could be a future pick. Just brace yes. yourself for that. Um, because I love that song uh, Change by John Waite in the movie. And then he had that big MTV, that cheesy pop song, Missing You, that was a huge hit. Um, but all I knew of Bad English was When I See You Smile. And when that came out in 1989, I was like, yeah, I'm all set with this band. Like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. Like,
3: oh, because man. 19,
0: because 1989 for me, like my wife was teasing me because my wife loves this album and she loves that song. She was teasing me. She's like, yeah, you will, you were listening to all you rap and Aussie back in 1989, which she's correct. That's true. What I was listening to, but you know, when, when Sonny picked this, it, it was kind of like my first reaction when last year when you picked winger, I was like, what bad English. I'm like, isn't that that band that does when I see you smile, how is this going to translate? So we're going to obviously get into it, but, this is a genre of music that I, I that I I don't mind. Like Sonny said, it's it's not it's not hard rock, it's not glam rock. It it's more in that album oriented rock, like that like that. It, it, it straddles the line between like pop and like rock and like soft rock, and it 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 checks off a lot of boxes. Whether or not it checks them off well is something that we'll talk about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know the band. I know Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane from Journey, and I knew John Waite. I'm not familiar with the babies at all. I didn't really know who they were. Uh, but I know Bad English, and, you know, we're going to talk about There's a lot to talk about here. So I, I like these kinds of picks because it's something that we haven't been listening to our entire life, or at least for me at least. So th- th- it'll be a good conversation, I'm sure. All
2: right. Bad English. Um, at this point in time, I'm still getting all the magazines. So I know the bands by now that are coming out in their videos on MTV. All of a sudden, I see Bad English and Forget Me Not is their first. And I'm like, holy shit, this song fucking rocks. It's pretty good. And I went out and bought this, but I never heard anything about them because they don't fit in that genre. It's not like, oh, here's this band called Warrant. Here's this band called Poison. They're not going to hit those magazines. Because they're on adult contemporary charts. And I can't believe we're reviewing an album that's on adult contemporary, which shows the versatility. But I bought this, I like this, I heard this. I, I you know, the, the pop hits, I knew them all. And then, you know, you 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 take the album like a lot of those albums from that era, and it just gets floop, aside. And, you know, I'm on listening to Even Flow and uh, On a Plane by Nirvana. So I had this. I liked it. I knew them when they first came out. Um, I just, uh, you know, they just became forget me not, forget you. Yes. (laughs) Because that's what ended up happening. Uh, Sonny brought us back and this album brought some memories back. And I'm glad you picked this because. Uh, To me, I I enjoy albums that I, you know, have uh, but haven't heard in years or albums that it didn't have. And so I I commend you on this pick. It's uh, thinking outside the box and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So before we move on, let's go into we talked about how we got into the band. Let's talk about the band itself. Uh, this is your pick, Sonny. I think you have some feedback. Let us know, uh, um, some info info on the band.
1: Yeah. So let's do a quick history lesson here. So at this point we're at 1988, 89, when they form. So John Waite, he was in the babies until they parted away in the early eighties, starts his solo career, he does four solo albums by this time. One of the albums hit the top 10, went gold. He had three top 40 hits, and then he had that number one huge song, Missing You, which pretty much everybody knew in the 80s. Ricky Phillips, he was in the babies until they parted ways in the 80s, and then went to go start working in TVs and movies until he got the phone call from Jonathan Kane about bad English. Neil Sean goes from Santana to Journey. Journey becomes one of the biggest bands on the planet and then implodes in 87. After they released Raised on Radio, because Steve, Steve Perry's own insecurities are getting to him, and he goes into hiding. Jonathan Cain, he was also in the Babies until they parted ways, and then joins Journey, and his story goes on with Neil Sean. And then D, C, Dean Castronovo, who's the youngest of the guys at this point, was in a ba- band called Wild Dogs. Nobody's ever heard of, but he was in this band with Tony McAlpine, who's a guitar player, and was introduced to Neil Sean, and that's how he kind of got the gig. So Formation, right, John Waite isn't getting along with a record company or his manager, He changes managers, and gets into a conversation with Epic Records. Epic wasn't impressed with anything John Waite was bringing, so they wanted him to almost end up being like a Rod Stewart type thing later on, which was, can you just do songs written by other folks, like stop writing your own songs and kind of do the stuff we want to give you, and John didn't want to do that. So he goes decides to put a band together, goes back to the U.K. because he was living in New York. Tries to find some folks, has no luck, comes back, and his manager says, Well, I don't think Jonathan Kane's doing anything. Why don't you go get along, you know, go see if he wants to do something? Waits a bit hesitant because his relationship with Kane is not that great. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But he flies to San Francisco, spends a few weeks writing stuff, and every once in a while, Neil Sean would drop by. I'll go with that in a second. Journey's on hiatus. So, because we talked about Perry already, so right time, right place. They collectively go back to Epic with, hey, here's the band members we got. And of course, how can Epic say no to half the babies and basically three-fifths of Journey, right? So they can't say no. Wade said, Neil Sean kept showing up. He'd be driving his motorcycle in the area and just say hello. This whole story is true. He'd come by, sit downstairs for a bit, watch TV, then come up and play a bit of guitar. Then he started bringing two guitars. Then he would by accident, in quotes, leave his cigarettes there. Then he would leave his lighter. And then he just never left. That's how he ended up being our guitar player. Neil has a different story on that, but (laughs) that's kind of the formation on the band. So here's a situation where this isn't epic going out and saying, Hey, the babies have been off, basically uh, off the beaten path for the last eight years. Journey has imploded and their name is huge. Can we put something together and create? This is not them. This is a cane and weight getting together and they have lived separate lives the last eight years and coming back together. So there you go.
0: Yeah. And I get it. I mean, because at the time, again, it's 1989. And why not Why not try this? You know, you had, you had some name recognition that you had jonathan kane and neil sean from journey john Waite was already on the radar with a couple of his solo hits so you put it together and it's 1989 the problem for me i don't know how 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 deep we want to get into this is that i i i think that it's a you know a lot of these albums that we talk about something we talk about how sometimes these albums are like timeless and some of them are of the time and dated you know it's an album that's very very 1989 you know, that that will that and I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit more details but before we do that Zeus you know you, you can take the take the floor and just talk about you know kind of what Sonny said and where where the band stands in terms of 1989 I guess
2: I would say here metals at its almost peak mm-hmm. And the impression that I get, I always think back of an Alan Jackson song. It's called Gone Country. Oh and yeah. what he's singing about is all of a sudden now country's the hottest thing. And these guys that were doing kind of country rock or other type of music, all of a sudden's like, oh, just put on a cowboy hat and do this, and now I'm kind of country, and try to sell that. This is the impression I get of bad English. Let let's take popish kind of people and put an image together that looks like what you think hair metal should look like, mm-hmm. and let's get them out there and kind of put that in that era. The music works because I think all these guys are talented musicians and writers, but a lot of this kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's just, uh, it just looks superficial and seems superficial. Like, you know, it's, that doesn't look like that. I I get what they were trying to do a little, like a harder journey, but when they realize where the hits were, they're like, let's do that. And um, it is what it is. I mean, they're all obviously you can't deny the talent of these musicians and their ability to write pop hits. Uh, I I don't know anything about the babies other than that. They always get mentioned in history about their musicianship and their pop songs and things like that. Paul always brings them up. I loved John Waite's voice. I think he's got a great voice but I don't have any of his albums. I just liked his voice and those pop songs that I knew of his, especially changes um, is a great tune. The, you know, the, the band, I have no, you know, one way or the other thought about them. I just always felt that they were kind of like, "Uh, look at, look at this. And, you know, and we'll get into it when we talk about the album cover, uh, because I'm going to go on a little bit of a detour rant there about the look. Um, But, Again, the the musicianship on this is top notch. I mean, you got to give them credit.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, just talking about the general, the, the the idea of the band and what was going on with music in that time, you know, when I was listening to this album, because I really didn't really know any of it, I- except for the one or two songs that were kind of, you know, hits or whatever you want to refer them to. But to me, I, I was kind of laughing at myself. I'm like, this, this is the kind of band that, that people who think like Bon Jovi is too heavy would like listen to. Yes. Be like, you know, I, I like rock music. I listen to bad English. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Like, like, I, I you know, I like Brian Adams. You know, I, I, I like, I like Survivor. I, I like, Ro- I like Robert Palmer. Like
2: a TV sitcom producer would be like, oh, we need like a hard rock band. They right.
0: think this is right there would be like an image like well these guys are hard rock right like, and they and they straddled that 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 line between like I think John Waite's voice and again I refer to my wife who lives, we were driving in the car saying he was playing this because I know she likes this album and she, and, and she she brought up a good point it was kind of what I was saying was that she likes the songs where John Waite I was I almost just said John Voight just driving around <laughs> in John Voight's car <laughs> <laughs> John uh, Wade's bit people, I'm sure. Yeah. But but she brought up a good point. It's it's kind of what hit me. Like his voice is good when it comes to like the non rocking. So I think he has a good like soft ballad type of slower song. Like the songs that quote unquote rock on this, we'll talk about it. It's like, okay, is this band like are they gonna rock? And if they are, I don't think John Wade is the man to do it. Or are they gonna do like those really you know Chicago type ballads where John Way can really carry them home, which I think is why their hits are more ballady. I know "Forget Me Not" we'll talk about was uh, was a mild hit, but it's a band that I, I I don't know they tried to do everything. I think they tried to do everything. I think they were really trying hard to be Journey, and the difference with Journey is they had Steve Perry, and Steve Perry's voice can do. Songs like "Don't Stop Believing" or "Any Way You Want" or you know "Stone in Love," and I just for me, I don't think John Wayne had that voice, but he could do the softer songs, and I think that's why when you for me when I think of Bad English, I think of a softer rock band, and I don't and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just think that's what I think of with Bad English.
1: Yeah, before we get to the tracks, I'll tell you, being I'm a Babies fan. Yep, I would tell you that this is what the Babies would have sounded if they st- stuck together. This is what they would have grown to mm-hmm. when it comes to kind of some of the little bit of rock and stuff. I think Jonathan Kane learned how to write these unbelievable ballads because he had a balladeer in Steve Perry. Right. There's no doubt about that. Right. Yeah. They had all these hits and he kind of brings that into the mix. Neil was always the rocker in journey. He wanted to rock. He didn't want to do a bunch of ballads. Right. And Dean Castronovo, he can do like cacophony hmm. and be that kind of guy and he can do jazz drumming he's a so talented, part, dru- talented you know,
0: drummer yeah
1: and actually when um when he auditioned wait's like dude how the hell like we're not gonna be able to keep up with this guy this guy's all over the place like i don't even know when i am supposed to sing so like <laughs> wait was doing the hey dean can you like dumb it down dude this is not like what we're looking for is to be on the chart you're somewhere else dude right so I think there was that push and pull a little bit, but in the end, if I had to guess who they're trying to be, this would have been the babies eight years later. This is what they would have been.
2: Okay. Well, let's get into some of the album facts. So the album uh, came out June 26th, 1989. It was uh, produced by Richie Zito. No relation to Barry. And this guy uh, produced some Eddie Money, Cheap Trick, Heart, White Lion, Share, The Cult, Poison, Joe Cocker. That's uh, a lot of variety there. Uh, Richie, anybody seen Richie? Any anybody- <laughs> why Richie did Bobby Lupo? I get that fucking movie. That's another Carl Stonehill thing. Anybody oh, yeah. seen Richie? Anybody? Hey, you tattoo. Hey, you know for from- who's the boxer? Are you the boxer? Worst Italian stereotype.
0: Worst fucking police brutality movie of all time. Out for and, justice. And, and his box office numbers were through the friggin' <laughs> roof because of it.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up. Are you the boxer. Okay,
0: Steven Seagal. <laughs>
2: worst acting. Anyways, um, the album did reach number 21 on Billboard's 200. It went platinum. So we already kind of mentioned the members here is John Waite, Neil Sean, Jonathan Kane, Ricky Phillips, and Dean Castronovo. Um, and what you ended up having, Tom, uh, Sonny kind of already mentioned it the babies, John Waite, Jonathan Kane, Ricky Phillips were all members. And then you got Journey, who you have Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane. And then Dean Castronovo comes into Journey after mm-hmm. uh, Bad English. Yep. Uh, apparently they got the name because Jonathan Kane said John Waite had bad English. When they were playing pool, which is a spin on a cue ball. ooh, fascinating.
0: Cool. Um, They were playing yeah. pool down at Jimmy's bar and grill with poison. Yeah, and they saw no, they're playing
1: snooker. <laughs> they're playing snooker. That, the Jimmy's
0: doesn't
2: have that. That's yeah. true. And then they saw poison. Like, maybe we should try to tease our hair up and like that. Oh, boy. Yeah. So let's uh, now uh get into the album cover. Oh, And here it is, red, bad English, the logo above. And then, I don't know, team photo, group photo here.
0: (sighs) Yeah, yeah, the the band, if if you didn't know anything about this band and you saw that album cover, you're like, oh, great. Another hair band, you know, they they look look like every hair band that you, you think of. You know, they got the hair, the look, the clothes. And, and you know to me the look doesn't match the music that's to me um, and by the way real quick I thought it was hilarious when you go to Wikipedia they describe bad English as a glam metal supergroup <laughs> settle down Wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> but back to the cover go ahead
2: um <sighs> <laughs> Jonathan Kane with his Wizard of Oz outfit. What the fuck is that? And then he, and you know the worst part about it's like cuz you knew who Jonathan Kane was from Journey. Yeah. It just looks like, "Hey, now you're metal. Tease your hair." Mm-hmm. And 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 then and put on this fucking steampunk outfit. Yeah. And, yeah. Puffy shirt fucking circus fucking whatever those things guys are called. Who's this, the ringleader? Yeah, outfit. the
0: ringleader. The <laughs> yeah. lion tamer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got John Wake that you're like, oh, I remember that guy who put that
0: fucking horrendous wig on him because it looks terrible. Either that or you look at that picture and be like, oh, I didn't know there was a woman in this band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then worse
2: fucking Neil Sean makes Easy e look like I am jealous about the fucking activating perm that you have going on and the fucking jerry curl look along with Dean Castronovo.
0: Dude, if Juan Epstein was in a band, (laughs) (laughs) that that would be him. (laughs) Yeah, and about the same height as Juan Epstein, too. Dean Castronovo is the only one that looks like he belongs. Like, like, yeah, I'm Dean Castronovo. I'm in a fucking rock band.
2: Yeah, but he's got to get rid of the bowl tie. I fucking get yeah, that, yeah. Okay. That's so the only one that kind of looks okay is the fucking cheap trick. A Robin hand lookalike look alike. Yes. Player. Yep. Um, Except that he's wearing, I don't know what a shower curtain for a shirt. <laughs> what the fuck is this? But <laughs> Jesus, and, you know, I shouldn't laugh uh, that bad because yes, you that should. was the, that was the image then. Correct. But I think they just didn't know how to dress the part or to look the part. And they just
0: have this horrendous look and horrendous hairdos. Well, it was like cookie cutter. It was almost like if they had Google back in 1989, they Googled what is a glam hair band? What should what should we wear? It's like they went to like Spirit Halloween and bought the costume or for like or Jonathan Kane saw the latest Britney
2: Fox video <laughs> and started wearing those puffy shirt fucking guitar player bass player outfits or something from Nelson.
0: I got because my, oh, who wears color.
2: this shit?
0: Watch out! Don't make fun of Nelson. Our buddy Jericho loves that band. Be nice to Nelson.
2: <laughs> all right, anybody oh. you want to defend your band's look or this album? Oh, I sunny? don't know if
1: I'm. I don't know if I'm defending it. So, first of all, the burgundy and the black color scheme—I think that works. Yes, right? that that part I think works. Yep. Wait, notice he's wearing fingerless gloves. Oh God! See how his thumb is sticking out. That's not helping. Yeah, well,
2: wait till he he puts on the black govs in the video.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah. The feminine scarf didn't do him any favors. Right. (laughs) That's a Paul
2: Stanley special.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ricky, the black and white polka dot shirt. That's interesting. And it looks like he's wearing a bow tie because I think the polka dots are coming together as he puts the top button together. (laughs) That's right. So, but I think he's trying to look part cowboy, part. I don't know, uh serious musician. I'm not exactly sure there. Kane, yeah. Somewhere between <laughs> Lion Tamer, Adam Ant, and Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, that's, right, like it's that's between... perfect.
0: Adam Ant and Alexander Hamilton. There you go. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's lo- the last time I Adam... saw that check. <laughs> fucking Lion Tamer. <laughs> 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 I have I have meals I have other comments regarding Jonathan Kane. I'll save later in the episode. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Neil. Yeah. The
1: pearly hairdo is interesting. He's Dude. trying to look a little tougher with the all yeah. black.
2: Wait, yes. right? wait, 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 wait. You got to mention the fucking belt. <laughs> yeah, the belt. <laughs> that was very big in the 80s. Yeah, I know. It's like with his G Cavaricis <laughs> and the fucking belt turned in <laughs> oh, like that. Oh, wait, my did, did, God. hold on.
0: Hold on. Did you just say
2: G cavalry. G. Those are Z cavalry. Z. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got mine at Tello's. The fucking fake ones. <laughs> G cavalry, um, Z <laughs> My
0: mind is fucking just. <laughs> well, it's been almost 40 years since people started wearing those. So. Z. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, And then we mentioned Dean's bolo tie. Yeah. On the black shirt, I thought it was interesting. The black suit jacket looks like a suit jacket. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then, you know, he's trying to like stare through the cameraman. Trying Dude, to look serious. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. wait a minute. Oh, wait a
2: minute. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Wait, 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 wait. What? Take a look at Neil's jacket. Yeah. Is that his jacket that is that short that comes up almost like a midriff shirt? is it yeah no i think he's wearing a jacket over
1: the shirt that's that one of those zipper shirt things you used to see in like the 80s pop videos
2: but it ends at like over his belly button or something what the
0: fuck is that it's just not a good look let's just just call <laughs> let's just, just say that it's just not a, it's just not a good look
1: oh, and i think tommy's why well, I, I think tommy's right here is epic is putting together a photo here going look uh you know these guys, so you should be interested. If you're ha- if you're interested in hair metal, you should give it a shot. Yeah. If you're interested in kind of the pretty boys, we got a couple of those. If you're interested in serious musicians, we got a couple of those. If you're interested in uh, more mature guys, we got a couple of those. Yeah. Like they're trying to kind of just sell. Just pick
0: up this album, please. Yeah, like kind of. Thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're trying to check off every box. And nineteen eighty nine, yeah. we've said it. Nineteen eighty nine was a weird year for music because it was kind of like, you could say it was the peak or like the down curve of hair metal. But then you had a lot of that like pop rock album oriented, like I don't know, adult contemporaries, You know, whatever you want to call it. So they were trying to check off all those boxes, and they were successful. They did the oh, freaking album went platinum.
2: Also, you had like bands like Lover Boy that yeah, try to exa- do, try to exa- get harder looking, yep, harder sound, and try to be like, Hey, we're kind of hard rock now, too. Yep. And what where they fell in is that lover boy foreigner kind of is it rock, but it's not hard rock enough. Exactly. So they exactly. try to harden their image and become more like 90s looking, 80s, late 80s looking. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Well. We've talked about the uh, band. We've talked about the album facts. We've talked about the album uh, cover. Only thing left is to get to the tracks. And let's take a quick little break while Tom
0: thinks of a couple four letter words. And we're back after our break because tough times don't last. <laughs> this podcast does, <laughs> this album review does. <laughs> All right,
2: so first song, here we go.
1: best of what i got all right so immediately you hear kane and neil sean starting you hear wait in 30 seconds and you'll hear me say kane and wait because i don't want to keep saying john because that and jonathan because i think Mm -hmm. that screws people up um i thought richie zito did great job with the production because this kind of production kind of hits my ear right for this type of music those guitar fills neil's doing in the second verse are awesome i think it's a great opener great solo by Neil. Um, when the backing vocals show up, I think it's great. Now you'll, you guys aren't babies fans and maybe, you know, a little bit of John weight. I own everything. John weights ever put out. The okay. Oh yeah. Thing is a John weight go to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's his like Sammy Hagar grunt, like <laughs> the Joan jet grunt. Like it's his thing that he does. Oh yeah. Um, now, <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah, there you go. (laughs) When
2: I see you smile. Oh, yeah! Oh,
3: yeah! Yeah.
1: (laughs) Tommy mentioned it a little bit, uh, introing uh, what his thoughts were. And I'll say it now. Like, the bridge to the solo is a bit flat for me. And this happens with John Waits sometimes because although I really like his voice, he doesn't have a ton of dynamics. So it's hard for him to really, like, sell this big broom booming bridge that's gonna go he does it once or twice in this album he tries but it's really at the top of his range when he does it okay this whole thing about putting my key inside your door dude if i said that to nicole go say that to bridget later and see what she says to you (laughs) like like, that's a little bit ridiculous (laughs) and it was a hit single (laughs) so you know whatever um And I know you guys are going to give me shit because I hate Goodfellas. But, dude, this song was in
0: one of my favorite movies. Yes, it was. Cash, baby. Love Love that movie. Me too. Love it. I saw that in the theaters on Christmas Day when it came out. You broke that jaw? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That movie's (laughs) so good. That movie's so good. Dude, Terry Hatcher
1: is so unbelievably (laughs) hot in that movie. Oh, Oh, my God. Um, So, anyway, great opener, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. So again, I I I don't know anything about this album other than When I See You Smile and I think one other song. So when I put this on, I'm like, what the what is this? What is happening here? What is this? And then the song kicks into gear. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This So this band can do this. Like, OK, there's a little bit there's a little bit of rock going on here. But in my mind, I'm like, OK, this sounds like something that like this sounds like a lesser version of like, again, I mentioned Robert Palmer or like Brian Adams. Like, but again, it's 1989. I think musically and Sonny, I know that one of the hallmarks of the music that you really love is something hooky and melodic. And you, you can't deny this. It is extremely hooky and melodic throughout the entire song, the bridge, the chorus, what's going on with some of the background music. I think the chorus is, is good. I like the song. I think it's a good intro to the album. Um, I just think we, we talked about it before. Sonny just said it, and I, I've said it before. I just think John Waite is being kind of overpowered by the music because a, a, a song like this by this band, it has some something to it. You know, with with, with Neil Sean and and those the keyboards and Dean's drumming, it, it, it's got a little bit of meat to it. And I think these are the songs where John Waite kind of struggles. But I think it's a good opener, and I think it was a, it was a pleasant surprise for me when I heard this. All right. Best of what I got uh, written by John Waite, Jonathan Kane, and Neil
2: Sean. It went to number nine on mainstream rock charts. It was technically a promo in their fifth single
3: mm-hmm.
2: of seven singles. Whoa. Holy shit. Uh, when I first played this, I was like, holy shit. I remember this song. And uh, I'm like, that's a lot of keyboards. The, you know, the good vocals are there. It's catchy. It's got the 80s kind of beat. The drums are like, I'm like, oh, shit. I don't remember the drums being this good. And that those guitar fills, I echo that, Sonny, on you know, the second verse when they start coming in. They're damn pretty good. Nice. Uh, Neil solo goes right back into the song. I love these type of solos quick, melodic, get your song out. It's very like Def Leppardish, and then right back into the song. Uh, you mentioned it. It's uh, the end credits of Tango and Cash. But this is like the opening. I think it's very Bon Jovi-ish. Mm-hmm. It's a little like Let It Rock, uh, l- Lay Your Hands On Me. All of a sudden, dun, 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 like getting yourself into what's going to be coming up. It lays a great foundation. This song of all these songs here has been stuck in my fucking head. It is catchy as all hell. And uh, it's a great way to start this album, a great way. And uh, let's see if they can continue it on the next track.
1: Heaven is a four-letter word. I'm not exactly sure how you're spelling heaven, but that ain't a four-letter word. All right? Now, you know, I get a little crazy with this stuff, so I just want to give you a quick synopsis of the four-letter words that are in these lyrics. Here, here. that lies, heat, just take, walk, wild side. babe, meet, me, baby girl, four-word, find, when, lose, rock, roll, love, kiss, down, don't. This, wait, ride, feel, long, just, like, bout, know, what, dawn, yeah. All right. Those are the four-letter words that are in these lyrics. I I love the driving bass. I like the simple guitar riff. I like all the earworms Neil's doing. Catchy as fuck chorus. No doubt. I like the breakdown. Here's an example of weight can't sell it, but if you kill all the music and he doesn't have to compete with the music in the bridge, then he can Right, that that kind of hits his bang zone. The solo's melodic and it's rocking enough. Now at the end, we can't really pull off the vocal gymnastics. Like this is not Daryl Hall, right? So they know that too. So you know what? Let Neil do it instead. That's why that outro thing works the way it the uh, works. I really like this song. Uh, the this is the chorus that usually gets stuck in my
0: head from the rocking songs. Yeah. So track two. And again, I'm like, holy shit. Like another pleasant surprise. I'm like, I didn't know bad English had this in them. So I'm listening to them. I'm like, when it's the song starts, I'm like, all right, this is kind of ballsy. Like you're starting with like a line, Then Neil comes in with some little licks and the guitar and then the riff kicks in. I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is pretty cool. Then you've got the, the, the verses are, are nice. Again, John, wait, we're going to keep saying it, you know, He's being overpowered by by a powerful band behind him, but he's doing his job. Got the bridge, another really catchy chorus that just gets stuck in your head. I mean, these guys know how to write hooks and they're doing it very well. So heaven is a four letter word. So when you hear the term four letter word, you're referring to like a curse, like a swear word. Okay, so I'm like, all right. So if heaven is a four letter word, so heaven does that mean he wants to fuck her and heaven is fucking her and that's the full letter word? Like, what we, is that? What we're talking about here? I guess that's what I'm talking about. He's trying to be, he's trying to be catchy and be nice about saying that he wants to bang this chick and that's heaven. I guess I don't know. At
2: somewhere in those lyrics, Tom, I think he was talking about like when he gets her alone, he can kiss her. I'm thinking kiss, like
0: uh, the kiss or love. Them. Yeah, oh, okay. It's a four letter word. Is oh, so I'm the. To say. So I'm the pig out of the group? Okay. No, no, no. I All mean, right. I think yeah. fuck, too, is <laughs> okay. four-letter word. But, <laughs> okay.
2: but I think he's trying to say that that's like the kiss between them or the love between them is a heaven.
0: Maybe I'm just used to hearing like Paul Stanley lyrics with like love gun and thinking like that's what he wants to do. But <laughs> and anyways, I, so far, two for two. Pleasantly surprised with the way this album's starting off.
2: Heaven is a four-letter word. It is their sixth
0: single. <laughs> Well, you got 13 songs on an album. Oh, shit.
2: <laughs> Neil Sean, Jonathan King, John Waite wrote this song. It went to number 66 on the top one, hot 100. It went to number 12 on Mainstream Rock. Yeah, I agree. Catchy chorus. Uh, the thing that comes out now, I'm on my set for the second song here. I'm like, damn, I like John Waite's voice. I like it. I, I, he can. It, it hooks me in because I... I I think he can do just about sing about anything. And I'll give a song a chance. Um, the drums, again, are surprising to me. I like the solo again, but it goes into a little bit of a you give a love a bad name when it comes out of the solo. The drums, it almost I was waiting for him to go into shot through the heart, you know, <laughs> yep. but I like that little uh, kind of segue they do there. Um, Oh, and I forgot this. There was a guy named Mark Spiro, who was also a songwriter. I guess he was a big songwriter at the time. Uh, He also wrote part of that song. There is like a video. And I think there was kind of like a fan video for best of what I got. I, I don't think it's an official video, but there is a kind of a video with this. It's a performance video. Some hot chicks like spray painting on the wall and dancing. And it's the same fucking video for any of their videos throughout this album, black and white footage, the band horsing around. Ooh, we're so silly (laughs) Uh, behind backstage. Then they perform. Then you got some fans. Then there's color. And then there's black and white. It's like that whole, I won't forget you poison. Like,
0: yes. Wanted dead or alive. Wanted dead or alive. Yep.
2: Uh, Fucking what's the other one? Motley Cruz, home, sweet home. Like, the backstage yeah. shenanigans and oh, was so crazy. Bad English. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then some ho- random hot chick graffitiing a wall. Yeah, like every video has some random hot chick walking around taking her clothes <laughs> off. Like it's <laughs> like they just had to like a- enter in a random hot chick. She
2: mm-hmm. should have like listed like the Shona Spring painting for uh, like different four letter words like fuck, <laughs> like cock,
0: <laughs> c word oh nice very nice that one you won't say yeah i know (laughs) hey we do we do have some editorial pride on the show come on cunt
4: oh there it is
0: (laughs) god damn it you know what i mean wonderful
2: oh god next song
3: I just need to know this charade has gone too far. For the first time.
1: Okay. Possession. So I think that here we might get a little different. I think this song is beautiful musically. Great <laughs> accents by both Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane. Perfect fucking chorus. Um, I love this song. This is a song. I, I probably have to apologize to Tony. This is one of those songs that I am screaming at the top of my lungs in the car after a night at the bar. <laughs> Drunk, my heart's in your world. Like, I can totally imagine me doing this. Um, now I will tell you, Wait needs to shut the fuck up during the guitar solo. Like, that's completely Richie's fault. Like, I get it. He said a bunch of stuff. Just edit that shit out. Why? why do you leave that shit in? I'm not sure if you noticed in the lyrics, but a couple of times he says, My heart's in your world tonight. The last chorus, he goes, Your heart's in my world tonight. So it changes a little bit, right? So he's trying to add a little dynamics to the song. Almost perfect ballad for weight. I only say almost because he needs to shut the fuck up during the guitar solo. (laughs) Besides that, this is an, I could listen to this song on loop. This is a great song to me.
0: Okay. All right. So first thing I'm going to start off with, this is the first song on this album where I'm like, oh, you got to wonder if John Wade has been served a restraining order before, because this is the first of many really stalker songs lyrically where he tries to hide them as love songs. like, dude, you, you need to be, you need to stay a hundred feet away from this chick at all times. Cause you're fucking pretty scary here.
3: But can I put a camera in the lady toilet,
0: please? No. Um, and this is also the first song on the album where I'm like, this band could have written, like a soundtrack to an eighties, like teen, like not a John Hughes movie, but like a, like a, it It sounds very sound tracky. Okay. Um, but I will agree with you a little bit, Sonny. Look, I'm a sucker for a big ballad. I like, I like cheesy ballads depending on how well they're done. Some of them are horrible and some of them are bad. This is not all great, but I like the chorus. The chorus is very, very, very melodic very catchy very well written and this is a song that john Waite can sing well um but it but again it it's just very wimpy it's very like wishy-washy but that's what they were trying to do It was 1989 it was the ba- it was the era of the ballad um but it's 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 not it's not bad um it's not bad I, I, the chorus i like possession the seventh single
2: written by John Waite, Jonathan Kane, and Ricky Phillips. Uh, It made it to number 21 in US 100, number 42 on Adult Contemporary. Of course it did because it's a fucking soft, soft, wimpy, horrendous song. (laughs) This song is just so rotten. It's rotten. rotten. (laughs) It's, it's, It's Sonny, why the fuck? Like, you, cause now I feel like you're gonna think I'm only doing this because you love it so much. I, I don't get it. Like, we like some of the same music. How the fuck do you listen to this and this song be one of your favorite songs? I don't understand it. It is just so, it, it's so cheesy manufactured acoustic opening, slow building, soft, wimpy rock song. First of all, I, I, I'm echoing Tom's sentiments. Possession? Good luck with that song title these days. Yeah, exactly. Fucking yikes! <laughs> You're my obsession. I want possession of you. <laughs> Holy cancellation culture! You are fucking done. No way is he getting away with that shit now. Um, yeah, John Wade has a good song, but this uh, good voice, but the song is terrible. It's so wimpy and cheesy, and so like thrown into the okay, this is what a, a ballad should be like in this era and this time. This is what it is. And compared to the other ballads on this, I, I don't understand how you can't see the difference in what sounds like a fun, catchy fucking chorus. And this schlop, it's just, oh, oh. This is what you were saying about you're giving yourself away. It's just, this is just, oh. Horrible, horrible song. This and the fact that laugh. you play this and are in love with this, I don't understand it. I don't understand you, Sonny Poonie. Help me understand you.
0: This is why we love, I this, would suggest, why I love this.
1: Don't buy any John Waite records then. Because <laughs> no, this like is John Waite solo. No, John Waite solo, this kind of stuff is all over it.
2: I know two John Waite songs other than this. Missing yeah, you and I would, change, right? I would and not buy any John Wayne
1: solo albums if I were you. <laughs> yeah,
2: but but this is just oh oh
3: oh! I don't yes. know if I'm going to
2: recover. You will. This was horre- This is what I thought Tom would be saying about this whole album.
0: This song, no. Okay, I like the chorus, but that's it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, forget me. This song is next. Let's hit it.
1: So after the cockwomble we just heard from Zeus, Um, forget me not, uh, if you don't know, it's based on the Anne Rice books. Uh, John Waite said that himself about vampires. It's about, you know, coming to this life and meeting your love from a previous life. That's what the song's about. That first 40 seconds as the instruments kind of coming in one by one, love that. Love the writer that lighter guitar riff that like that that kind of thing It's totally Neil. Like Neil has figured out that with the the singers that he has worked with in his life, he needs to back off when he needs to back off and he needs to be there when he needs to be there. And he's figured that out. Um, I love the breakdown. You know, when I touch you, you'll be touched
4: by love, by love, by love, by
1: love. Love it. and uh a great outro solo so to me this is you know kind of a not a carbon copy but it reminds you of the first two songs right like it, it'll catch back the rock people that maybe the last song uh people you know they lost maybe here's the song that brings them back goes all right we're back to rocking here
0: yeah this song blew me away i was like i uh, another one i'm like this song this song is fucking well written and rocks you don't
2: remember it when it came out
0: nope not even
2: the the video nothing 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 really
0: nothing um it's it's a great when i listen to him like this this song right here in my head as i'm listening it was like I, i i directed my own video to this song because growing up in the 80s and watching movies and seeing videos i'm like this sounds like the kind of song where like it starts off with like a guy and a girl in the high school hallway She breaks up with him. She walks away. He slams his locker. He gets in his car. And then all of a sudden he's like driving real fast, like shifting his car aggressively and getting all angry. Then the chorus kicks in. And it's like, I'm like, this is like maybe the best song that like uh, somebody like Kenny Loggins, like never wrote like a hard song with keyboards, but it still straddles that line where it's not going to alienate people that kind of like a little bit of the more softer stuff. Um, this is this is a really, really good song and was not expecting this. I, I wish the album had more of this because right now, three out of the first four songs are legitimate like rock songs, like good choruses, upbeat. They got some balls to them a little bit, you know, and I wish the album was filled with a lot of this. Um and then I can't wait to talk about the friggin' video. <laughs> Forget me not. It
2: was the first single written by John Waite. Jonathan Cain and Mark Spiro. It made it to number 45 on US 100 mainstream rock number two. So this is the song that introduced me that I remember seeing this. I'm like, holy shit, they're fucking rocking. And you're right, Tom, three out of the four, four, you're like, oh, great. And you can tell their songwriting and their musicianship are steps above all the other like hair bands of that time. Oh, yeah. Like they got that journey. Like we know what We we can get the the mass appeal and maybe get a little of the hair metal appeal too. We can combine the two and do something with this. Uh, It's got that weird vibe, kind of something's going on opening, you know, and it builds up to this cool song. Honestly, I felt I could totally see Whitesnake pulling this off in like 87, 89. Yeah. With Coverdale and the guitars on this and him blasting away. Mm-hmm. It's got another nice Neil solo. That again, Sunny. I, I I am not picking on you. I have it here in my notes. I like. I don't. I don't. I don't understand you. I don't <laughs> understand Sunny the Sunny Booney. Tell me. <laughs> the pause spoken. When I touch you, you will be touched by love. Is just the fucking silliest, stupidest thing I fucking since they sang like possession. That. Holy Christ! Why does he do that? It's so cheesy. It's it's jeans with. Dun, 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 dun. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. Anyways, it's uh, it's the first song that introduced me to the band and uh, made me buy this album. The song kicks ass.
0: It, it really does.
2: Really, yeah, yep. it really does. Let's get to the video. <laughs> so the video starts off with like John Waite and like a fucking I don't know middle earth outfit with father Tuck or some monk marrying him with somebody. Why the fuck is he wearing black gloves? And she puts a rhythm on over his hand and he's wearing black gloves.
0: Dude. Why is he wearing those glasses? <laughs> oh, the Aussie glasses. Just- Aussie glasses work on them. D- oh dude, no, they, 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 don't. But no, the they one, don't. The one big thing in this video that sticks out to me, Jonathan Kane with a keytar. keytar. Dude, I knew You were gonna bring it up. Dude, let me tell you something right now. You are in bad English. <laughs> Act like it. You are not Eddie Van Halen. You are not frigging somebody, you're not even CC DeVille. You holding a guitar and you're jumping off the stage like you're Paul Stanley.
1: <laughs> Relax. Like, why was Neil? Why was Neil playing in the rain?
0: Like yeah, no with nothing <laughs> to do because he saw tears are falling. Exactly. Probably. <laughs> the other thing with this video, too, th- there were so many cross cuts and jump cuts. Like I, I'm like, there was so much movement going on. It was like the cameras would zoom around, they would cut to him. And then Dean Castronovo for a minute looked like he was having a stroke playing the drums. And I'm like, there's just too much going on. I, I have all these fucking
2: notes in it. Exactly. You guys are hitting everything that I fucking put in there. Yeah, go ahead. I'm like, <laughs> so you know, now he's performing like John. Wait, what, what's with this awful white outfit and why is the drummer going nuts? And why does he have these awful John Lennon glasses that are not cool? When rockers wear them, they look stupid. Wait, is that Jonathan Kane rocking a guitar? <laughs> How embarrassing. I feel like he's playing get down on it, coming up to get down on it. And then he jumps off the stage rising and he's yep. like yeah and he tries to jump in like he's playing a fucking like Gibson and jump in with Jonathan Wait like singing the chorus with him
0: rocking his guitar. Holy fuck I'm trying to think of is is this more embarrassing for Jonathan Kane or is playing the imaginary keyboard in the separate ways video more embarrassing? Oh my God. I, I, I don't know <laughs> it, it's just.
2: He's playing in the in the rain. Where did the rain come from? I have. And, but he, at least John Wayne at least gets to make out with the, the hot chick
0: in the fucking in the bed. And she is hot. Point. I'll tell you right oh, now. Yeah. One thing I one thing I, I for some reason, I don't know why they drew attention to this, but I couldn't. When she kind of folds down the front of her jeans. Did you see that when she kind of did that?
1: Yeah. Oh, oh man. she's got
2: <laughs> she's got fucking Kelly jeans from 90210. Yes, fat Yeah, fat make them like the chicks made them look fat back then, like mom jeans.
0: She was hot.
2: Remember, like the nineties, all of a sudden, like that era, late eighties, like jeans weren't like nice and tight, showing a nice ass. They were like fat, fucking hip things, (laughs) and it's like that does not flattering on this poor woman.
0: But she's hot enough to pull it off.
2: Yeah, and Neil is going nuts at the end, wailing at the end of this video. But
3: yeah, (laughs) and then they jump
1: off the roof together right? Yeah. yeah. And I guess we're supposed to believe that they transform into birds where, when they're most likely roadkill, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was I was always wondering, I'm like, why Why are they climbing the stairway and then jump off? I forgot there's a line that says, I climb the stairway to the open sky. Yes. I'm like, yep. oh, okay, I got yep. you. Yep. The video
0: is crazy. Oh my, there's a lot going on there.
2: Yeah. In the, I think in our fucking ARC Hall of Fame, fucking awful decisions in music videos, the fucking Jonathan King
0: (laughs) guitar jump is is in this. It's It's a Mount
2: Rushmore moment. It is.
0: It is. (laughs)
3: Like,
0: settle down. Like, just not good. All right. Let's go to the hit.
3: I wanna give up, wanna give in I wanna quit the fight And then I see a baby And everything's alright
1: When I See You Smile, the song used in every dental slash dentist commercial for all time. Um, Here's what John Wheat said about it. I fucked up. We didn't need When I See You Smile. I talked the guys into it because Diane Warren was a friend. We already had some great ballads. We didn't need this song. I can totally... So that's what he said about it. Me personally, I can totally see why it was number one. It's got super mass appeal. It's got the AM FM type hit below. And by the way, here was the competition. So here's the top 10 when it went. Number one, 10 back to life, soul to soul, nine poison, Alice Cooper, eight. Didn't I blow your mind? New kids on the block. Seven. Angelia by Richard Marks. That's a great song, by the way, six, we didn't start the fire. Billy Joel five. Listen to your heart. Rock set. Another great Ooh. song Four, Ooh. it's just the way you love me by Paul Abdul three. Love shack by B 52s Two, blame it on the rain. By Millie Vanilli. That's when that When been. I See You Smile was number one. And Blame It on the Rain took it over at number one the following week. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I
2: this can song I just can I just say one thing while that list. Sure. Oh, I used to love that Rock Set chick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's something there's something about her that's very similar to John Waite, and we'll get to that part, right? Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> um This song could have been on a hundred movie soundtracks. It even has that I don't want to miss a thing feel to it that comes years later by a Mm -hmm. Diane Warren. Neil's quick guitar solo is absolutely perfect. It's a great way to end a song. Epic ballad, right? The build up, blah, blah, blah. Like they Diane wrote a great song. They did it very well. Diane was probably very happy eight, nine years later, that she has Steven Tyler instead of John Waite singing her next number one hit <laughs> or her another number one hit. I don't know if it was her next. But uh, it's a good song. It's unfortunate that this is the first song everybody thinks of when they hear the words bad English.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you say when I see you smile, this is played by, you know, every dentist or whatever, because the first thing I think of is that fucking John Waite needs a dentist. Is the first thing I see. it's not Michael Strahan, but it's there. It's close dude. he <laughs> could he could fit Jonathan Kane's keytar in between there. So <laughs> but it but you're right. You're right. This I'm trying. I was trying to think when I was listening, I was trying to think of a band that has been like more stigmatized with a hit that 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 offers more than bad English with when I see you smile, because when you picked it, I was like, Oh my God, this is the band that does when I see you smile. How are we going to get through this album? Like, because to, to me, like there are other bands out there that are, that are like one hit wonders. Like bad English is not a one hit wonder. And they do more than when I see you smile, but so identifiable with this song that it was, It it, it is kind of unfortunate for them. I mean, they probably don't think it was unfortunate because it was a number one single. The album went platinum. They had a nice career, It's got Diane Warren's name written all over it. This is exactly what she does, and this is why she's a successful songwriter. It it is what it is. It's a ballad. It's cheesy. It's corny. It was a hit for a reason. Um, You know, it's, to me, as bad as the beating that Zeus gave Possession, I I think this is just 10 times more cookie cutter corny and cheesy than than Possession. Um, But I, I could see why it had appeal and why it was a hit.
2: When I see you smile, Diane Warren is the writer. It's the second single from this album. It went to number one. Um, thinking of all our uh, reviews, how many number one songs have we reviewed?
0: Shit, I don't. That's actually. I, I wish we were kind of a little bit. Is anything off of Poison? Did anything off? To-
2: I would think Hotel California
0: had a number one track on there. Anything off? I think, off to- I think
2: any- New Kid on Town was the number one song.
0: Anything off? Look what the Catcher? Oh, oh, yeah, New Kid in Town was. No, was, hell no. No, I didn't know. I'm just thinking of like Talk Dirty to Me if that was like a number one song. Oh no, 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 I don't no, think no, no, so. No.
2: Um, yeah, I would think that that's probably the only number one. Those two are the only number one songs.
0: Um, you don't think Cry for the Gypsy is a <laughs> number one song? <laughs> Cry of the Gypsy, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> song. It is a great was song. It, uh, yeah. Sweet Child of Mine number one? No, I don't think so. Oh, it could have been close. Yeah.
2: It'd be nice if one of you guys looked it up while I go through the rest of the stuff here, but that's okay. Um, It made U.S. number hot number one. It was number eleven on adult contemporary, you uh, mainstream rock number ten, and it finished number thirty-four for the year in nineteen eighty-nine. Soft keyboards, acoustic guitar opening, very Diane Warren journey-like type song, very eighties ballad, but very fucking catchy. Great chorus. John's uh, John's voice is just great. The drums on this are very Eric Carr forever Mm -hmm. for me, especially when I see it and it makes me think that it comes out like, holy shit, the drums are really good on this. And and then the ending when John softly says, baby, when I see you, oh, I love that. That works for me. So everything I hated about the previous song, Possession, is the opposite with this song. This song is fun. It's easy listening. Wow. It's, it's catchy as all fuck. And it, yeah, it's it's no different than all the other big songs, the power ballads from a lot of those other bands. But mm-hmm. I can listen to this all day. It's a great fucking catchy tune. And John Waite's voice is it, it's uh, it's just uh, it's soothing. It's so- a yeah. soothing type song. Now let's get to the yes. video. What the fuck it's <laughs> John Waite. The, the look is just that wig, and the shoes, <laughs> that dress. Yes. And then it, it, it his teeth is the first time I noticed what happened. You're right, Tom. They could take off one of the fucking things off the keytar and put it in between. <laughs> like, I feel like someone's going to do it like an Adam Vinatieri. The kick is good right between his fucking t- teeth okay i get it i have
0: bad teeth and what's worse is the camera's so close it's like you pull back if you know the guy's got the gap tooth yeah. shit going. it's just yeah. a bad look and the just nervous a-
2: swaying when huh? i see yeah. like what what the fucking stand and that hairdo that hairdo, <laughs> it's, it's just, so just bad he looks like the scottish actor robert carlisle you know who that is yeah. he was in like the full monty Always yeah, always in like oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. He looks yeah. like him. Yeah. Like, and that guy always looks like he has fucked up teeth, too. So you put yeah. that wig on that guy, and that's who he looks like. I think he was in a the TV show, he used to watch it in Natalia. Once upon a time, he was like Rumpel That's what John <laughs> Waite looks like when he's dressed as the character Rumpel with yeah. the fuck up teeth. <laughs>
0: oh, poor yeah. John Wait.
1: And I think the director purposely told him. Can you smile a little more in this video? Because in the rest of the videos, he honestly doesn't smile that much. He does it by mistake in one of the other videos we'll talk about. But here, he's almost doing it on purpose. And you just don't see him smiling a lot in any of the videos he's ever done for any song.
2: Yeah, because when you look at Price of Love, when we get up next, it's all close up on him. He's not smiling at all.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he does. They catch him a couple of times. You can see him uh, almost uh, doing it, and then they cut away. Like, well, and no, he he's not it smiling. It's just
2: you can see his teeth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But,
2: and then a couple other things. Is it me or is Neil really short? Like he's Oh, shrinking.
1: no, he, he is he's, short. He's really short. Yeah, he looks yeah. like he's shrinking. I sent you guys that picture with me in it. He's, dude, he's easily a foot shorter than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yep. Um, maybe again, nine to ten inches.
2: The video is wanted dead or alive-ish, home sweet homes, black and white concert footage, shenanigans going on backstage. Ooh, <laughs> let's do a secret handshake. Um, and then Jonathan Kane, the it's a fucking whipping boy. Poor guy. Dude, keyboards, keyboardists do not need to act like they're rocking out. He doesn't need to have the one hand in the air fist bumping while he's fucking. Playing keyboards to when I see you smile. That's not like fucking, yeah, I'm listening to fucking metal health. And he's like, one finger is like, yeah. He oh, thinks it is horrendous. And that he had on him ain't much better than the wig on John Wayne. No. Just not a good look. No.
1: Uh, Sweet Child of mine was number one. Guns of Roses only number one hit. Okay.
2: Wow. So that's okay. three? altogether free. yeah
1: yeah new kid yeah. in town was number one i think
2: yeah 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 um, so
1: spit it out off of white
0: snake was on a number one song <laughs> <laughs> should have been
2: <laughs> yeah i don't think so but that's too bad anything else you want to add on this one or we go to the next one
0: let's go do we have to yes <laughs>
1: Tough times don't last. All right. This song's going to take a beating uh, by at least two of us. Um, so here's my thoughts on it. I like the keyboard lick. I think it's a very Bon Jovi type song. This could have been on Slippery When Wet, really. Uh, some great lyrics in the verse. They are pushing their luck in the chorus. I got it, but I like it. Another great short guitar solo. Now, if you get through the guitar solo and you're still listening and you're still trying to give it a shot... <laughs> <laughs> the the OOs at the end. Basically, if it if you were just barely hanging on, that took you over the top of, God damn, this song, the title sucks. It's fucking wimpy rock. The blah, blah, blah probably turned off every Journey fan, every Babies fan, every hair metal fan. Definitely turned off anybody who liked grunge or punk or heavy metal to this point. I don't mind it. I think the OOs at the end are catchy, and I actually like this song. I, I get it. It's cheesy. I, I don't mind it. But then I like Asylum, right? And I like <laughs> 80s Kiss. So I obviously don't mind cheese on my hamburger. Uh,
0: you, yeah, you said it perfectly. This is a Bon Jovi song. Totally a slippery when wet song. I think it's a very good song. I actually like this song a lot, except for that line. Tough times don't last. Lovers do. It's <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Baby, don't f- give up. You need oh, like a, and you. yeah, you need like a lyrical editor. If that was a line in the song. Okay. But to have that be the title of the song and the chorus, that's, that's where you lose me. But I, I think it's, I think it's a well-written song. I think you're, they're kind of getting back to like that rock aspect, like just total Bon Jovi song. I like it. I, the synth, you know, it's kind of get a little bit of a mood to it, you know, during the, uh, during the verses, which is good, but that, the the chorus is actually very well written and melodic, but that 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 tough times don't last. Lovers do. I, I get out of here with that. That's just not good. Um
2: fuck. Hotel California was the number one song, too. Oh, okay. So uh Tough Times Don't Last, Jonathan Kane, David Roberts, don't know who that is, and John Waite. Damn, this song has a lot of keyboards. This <clears throat> Of course, Sonny likes this. This song has horrendous, <laughs> dear Abby-like, fucking embarrassing, cheesy lyrics. The solo is good by Neil. The outro with the whoa, whoa makes makes this even worse. I, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it's just, dude. Tough times don't last. Lovers do. <laughs> it's
3: it's
0: indefensible.
2: It's game show lovers like it's, it's just, just
3: bad, Yeah. Uh, I was calling
0: about the ad for uh, Game Show Lovers. Yeah, Game Show Lovers? What's a Game Show Lover? What are you talking about, Game Show Lover? Uh,
3: this is it announcing uh, application for all TV game
2: shows. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean lover, right? It doesn't say lover. Oh, well, that's what it
0: says in the ad. No, it shouldn't say lover, because I didn't print the word fucking lover. That sounds like pussy shit to me. What are you looking for? Why go? Because tough times don't last. Oh, God, here we go. Ooh. Lovers
2: do- <laughs> Dude, could you imagine in a conversation when someone's like feeling down and someone said, don't worry about it. Tough times don't last. And then somebody goes, yeah, lovers do. You would fucking go, what? It's just, oh, oh, this this might get up there with fucking one of the worst songs we've ever had. Oh, just the lyrics make this so (laughs) bad. Fucking it's a Sesame Street song. Tough times don't last. okay thank you but i like sesame street yeah (laughs) look both ways when you cross the street exactly (laughs) just oh come on oh (laughs) here we go for the next one too
3: we're on a (laughs) roll (laughs) thing you wanted. Now it's tearing you apart. You're gonna raise a family now, but you don't know where to start. I remember you. Me, I pack a suitcase and move from town to town. A little east of Eden, too late to turn around. Now,
1: Ghost in Your Heart, we're not going to agree on this one either. Uh, drums oh. and keyboards, you know, starting the song, the eerie vibe. I kind of like that. Love the pre-chorus. I love that the music drops out and then rebuilds after the solo. That totally works for me. And Dean here is doing a lot of accents on the drums. But you got to listen for them. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. And I will tell you, Dean Casanova is ubo, uber, uber talented. Yes. Um. You guys didn't get a chance to uh, listen to the song I sent to you yesterday. That was Dean Castronovo singing. Wow. So he could have sang this song, and he now well he's not in Journey technically now, but uh, I don't know if he's back. I don't think he's back yet. But when he was in Journey and Perry was gone, Dean mm-hmm. sang all the ballads. Wow. Okay. I didn't from know the drums, right? Okay. So the guy's got an amazing yep. voice. Not sure he found he had found it in 1989 yet. But the guy's super, super talented and could have easily done this song. I really like this song. I get it. Little white picket fence around your heart, you know, kind of turns people off almost immediately. And maybe you're thinking about picket fence fence teeth or something. But anyway, I like the song.
0: Yeah. My notes for this song are the band is attempting to rock. It has awful lyrics and an awful chorus. (laughs) Those are my notes for this song. And then I wrote, I wrote, it's more Teenage love music. This song is horrible. this This is the first song on the album where I'm like, I, I can't get on board with this. like every every other song so far I either like or really like or kind of like or I can take it or leave it. This is just bad. The lyrics are like just stop. With the guy, I I remember you, are you crying in your sleep tonight when you're lying with him? you turn out the light? Again, dude, you're like a stalker. Get over it. She doesn't want to be with you. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. I'm a ghost in your heart. A little white picket fence. It's not good. Take the fence and put it in your teeth. Yeah, Yeah, this is like one of the first like real duds for me on the album but okay. the only thing I will say if I'm, gonna give, if I'm gonna give something the first like 10 seconds I'm like oh okay this sounds like 80s rush from like something from power windows it's all nice synth <laughs> and then I'm like ah oh, no it's not oh I hate 70s <laughs> and 80s rush then there you go <laughs> uh,
2: Ghost in Your Heart written by John Waite, Martin Page I guess some English singer songwriter bassist and Jonathan Kane. just soft rock yuck Ghost in Your Heart this song will haunt me. It's more <laughs> like it. And then I also if you follow like the way he's singing and the way the story's going, it's very shooting star from Bad Company, but with terrible lyrics.
0: yes, right?
2: <laughs> the way he's narrating the song. And I put, of course, Neil has a decent solo on it. It's just it's I feel like this song is what I pictured Tom to think this album is like. Exactly, yes. Right? Just like this soft rock, like pussy fucking album (laughs) that, you know, it's full of this type of shit. But I don't look at it the whole album like this, but this song certainly didn't fucking help. Uh, Let's go to the next one.
1: Price of Love. All right. So, the only song on the album that Kane and Waite write without a third person involved. And there's a reason. Waite and Kane, they couldn't write together. They needed a third. John Waite said this himself. Uh, Waite and Kane never really got along that well. Waite thought Kane was a diva, coming into recordings and songwriting sessions late, leaving early. Ricky even said, I knew both of them. I would hang out with one at night and the other one during the day to keep the two Johns apart. Okay, so this is what you get with them. They, this is ultimately was the demise of the band too. It was, didn't help in the babies. Like, it's just one of those things. Wait was just going through a bad breakup and Kane had just got married. So this is where you kind of get the price of love push and pull. So I think the song works because of the both of the point of views are in the song. Perfect start by Neil. The song is made to be in a chick flick. I can see, you know, scenes of arguing, hugging, throwing plates, having sex, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I like that the guitar solo is a little bit longer, and Wade actually shuts the fuck up. Uh, song uh, So song was peaked at number five, and we're going to talk about this, but here was the competition. Four was Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Three was Rome by B-52s. Two was Dangerous by Roxette. I don't remember that song. I had to listen to it the other day. It it's wasn't good. that good. It's and good. then number one was Escapade by Janet Jackson. So yes. that's why it kind of stalled at five. That's a great song. This song should be on every sexy time playlist. Sexy. Time. Perfect ballad for John Waite. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? This should have been a number this would have been a number one hit song right after Missing You if it gets released on the next album by John Waite.
0: I love this song. I'm with you. I, this is by far the best ballad on this song. I think the chorus is so unbelievably melodic that it's almost overwhelming. When you, it just when I first heard the song, because I, I, again I didn't know the song. It starts off I'm like, okay, we got another kind of corny ballad. It's it's okay. It's cool. but then when it gets into the bridge and then the actual chorus, I was like, this is a well crafted melodic ballad where to me, the lyrics are actually pretty good. The lyrics are actually, there's something there. Like, I mean, yeah, every ballad has its cheesiness and its corniness, but this to me is by far the standout ballad on on this song. Very, very well made. And that chorus is just stuck in my head. Just, I, I, li- I like this one a lot. Price of
2: Love, written by John Waite and Jonathan Kane. It's the third single from this album. It made it to number five on the US 100. 38 adult contemporary, 30 on U.S. Mainstream. Uh, another ballad keyboard opening. Uh, geez, I mean, like John's voice is great. Nice melody. Of course, the chorus is fantastic. Uh, I like not Neil's solo, uh, Dean's drums. It's a fun, great ballad of the era. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, do I like it more than uh, When I See You Smile? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, But I like Bon Jovi's Price of Love better. Anyway, (laughs) let's get to the video. Why? Here we go again with the black and white fucking shenanigans backstage and the band. Like, seriously, they must have filmed this all at the same time. But wait, we're going to see close-ups of John Waite throughout this whole fucking video. He's like on a tour bus. And you can tell how long this thing was. Because the different backgrounds, it looks like he got on this thing to film it in the afternoon, and then there's night shots, and then there's shots, like, at the dawn. He, people must be like, dude, do I really have to fucking close up on his face for this fucking long? He looks at certain times like, I'm fucking annoyed. Let's end this shit. Um, same bad wig. Um, it just I, the teeth at one point get displayed, I'm waiting for somebody on the fucking street to kick a fit
0: football through his, <laughs> his face. You, so you, you bring up a good point. He, he, John Waite looks horrible in this video <laughs> yeah. and you're right. He looks annoyed. Yeah. Like he looks <laughs> like, yeah. Price of love. Like hur- hurry up. It's like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's like he just looks like grumpy. I mean, not to, I mean, let's be serious. He's got bad teeth and he's not a very handsome man <laughs> to begin with.
2: You <laughs> bad looking.
0: He's not a bad looking man. Oh, I think he's, I, I don't think he's a good looking guy no, at all. I but, think he's got the looks. He's got the oh, looks. Okay. All right. He's
2: well. got an 80s Miami Vice, like pop
0: star kind of. Put it this yeah. way. He's got the kind of yeah. face yeah. where the camera should be back about 50 yards. Okay. <laughs> put it that way. That's the kind of face <laughs> he's got.
2: I am not what you would call a handsome man. What so rumble, I want to know if you, guys, face. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys, yeah, if you
1: guys notice two things. One is now he's wearing black instead of white.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: right. And two, did you notice the Eddie Vetter hand move? Yeah, I did. Yes, yes, pushing people away. He pushing the yeah, butterflies people away. Away. Yep. Oh. he wasn't grunting <laughs> them away though, but he was
2: pushing them away. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, he just did not look. Pleasant on there. And dude, you're filming him at night. Why is he wearing a black jacket? Like, it's just <laughs> fucking stupid. That like, they could have made these videos so much better and memorable. Yeah. But they did what they did. Um, <laughs> I'm ready when you are to go to the next track.
1: When you are, all right. Nothing wrong with a, you know, with a song about some light BDSM. No I'm wrong <laughs> with that. Uh, love the beginning with just Dean on the drums. I I like that start-stop musical type piece, which mm-hmm. totally works for me when it's done well. So it kind of creates this groove I really like, and it gives Neil a lot of room in the music to do kind of any kind of accents and guitar fills that he wants to do. Wait, can't really sell this song. And this, the, the ending is ba-ru-tall because I don't know if that's Waite's attempt at rapping and the whole dream baby at the end. That's, that's just bad. It's not the worst song in the album for me, but, uh,
0: yeah, Waite can't really sell this. Okay. So. I, I, musically, I love this song. I love the way it starts. I'm like, okay, this is a rock song. This this band can do this if they want to do this. They can. They're doing so many different things on this album, which doesn't surprise you. There's 13 fucking songs on the thing, but this song right here, this stands out. It's got that in, that great intro. Then it kind of you, you kind of have like that like eight that real 80s rock kind of sound to it, like upbeat, rocking, kind of anthemic. The chorus is really cool. I think it's a great chorus. I like it. It's a standout track for me. But like you said at the end, the dream, sweat, baby. What, what dude, no, you are not, you can't do this. Stay in your lane. That is not your strength. Doing that whole that that ending, that outro with him, with the dream and the sweat. And no, just bad, bad, bad. And you're right. The song is such a rocker that it does kind of expose what we've said before, kind of John Waite's kind of limitations lyrically as a, as a rock singer. But I think the music and the song is so well-written that it, it, they can pull it off.
2: Ready When You Are, written by Jonathan Kane, John Waite, Neil Sean, Todd Cerny, who apparently wrote, like, a big thing was, I know or at least, was Notorious by Loverboy. Co-wrote that. Wow. Very similar style. All of a sudden, we're now hard rock. Um nice opening drum. Dean is damn good. This song with the space that you were talking about between the lyrics is a very Robert Palmer song. Hmm. Didn't mean to turn you on. Yep. And uh the other song there, what do you call it? Simply irresistible. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh N- Neil's guitar fills are fucking kick ass after mm-hmm. the first verse. Um, the spoken words at the end is just fucking embarrassing. Close your eyes. We're another sleek disguise. Dream baby, sweat baby. So bad. What <laughs> the fuck? Dude, These are like bad decisions. Like movies where you see a character that's like not in control of stuff. And you're like, dude, why do you make this b- horrendous decision? What are you doing? Stop. Like, Where's the producer on this? I me mean, like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Get that shit out of here. Come on. Yeah, it's exactly.
0: Yeah, you Come need on. an editor.
2: <laughs> yeah, like that's just horrible. And this song is good up until that point. Yep. It gets taken down notches for that embarrassing ending. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, now let's lay it down. Lay it down. Next.
1: down all right so you guys might not know this john wait's a huge r&b fan okay so here's what he said about journey i mean i hate to say it but i listen to journey and think jesus christ that is just wrong they are basically writing music for super white people listening to super white music fuck that that's why there'll never be a bad english reunion i'd rather shoot myself That's what he thinks about journey music. And he thinks this is the R and B that he wants to sing. Dude, this song is every journey song ever made is a hundred percent better than this song. This is brutal. I don't even know who to blame because the three main songwriters are writing the song. It's a mess song. Totally. And the terrible chorus. Like I, I, I don't get this song. I don't understand why. John thinks that this is R&B because to me this is not R&B. It's not super white music. I don't think that stuff. But he goes out of his way to shit on Journey anytime he
0: can, dude. You can't do that if you're going to do this kind of shit, dude. I'm with you. This song is a fucking train wreck. The chorus is a fucking disaster. Really? He's hitting different octaves that don't that don't really that they're not pleasant pleasant to the ear. the The verses, the drums are kind of just banging around and doing weird shit. The song is just it, the song is horrible. I mean, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for one other song on this album, this would by far be the worst song on the album because it's a it's a mess. It's a mess.
2: Lay, Lay Down, written by John Waite, Neil Sean, and Jonathan Kane. Nice little funky guitar opening. Um, I'm like, I know this kind of song. It's to me, this is Tesla-like. I'm trying to do like a Tesla like song, like be a man or attempting a, like a Zeppelin kind of a thing going on here, but it's not really picking up. I I'm the opposite, you guys. I don't think the song's bad at all. I think it's fine. I think it's them attempting to do those type of music. I, I, I hear Tesla and a little attempt at Zeppelin. Uh, it's a nice Neil Sean guitar, of course, because everything he does on this album is great. And the drums by Dean, I think they're pretty decent. I don't know. I don't have a problem with the song. I, I I found I found it to be better than fucking a couple of these songs here. It, it's just, you know, in the in the um, the lyrics aren't that bad. You know, there's nothing stupid and it's nothing like the end of ready when you are. Oh, don't think put that much into it. Um, let's go to the next one.
1: The restless Ones, so Ricky Phillips helped write this song, and I think this is where he was starting to see kind of who was uncomfortable with certain topics and who weren't, because in an interview, he said being in bad English was a strange experience, because they were frankly quite conservative, and the closer we got to darker themes, the edgier the topics got, the more uncomfortable some of the folks were. This thing, this song's got total movie theme feel. I like the buildup into the chorus. I think it's a really good chorus. The production with Rich, Richie Zito, perfect for this type of song. Because when you need to hear the keyboards, you hear them. When you need to hear the guitar fill, you hear it. Like all the volume knob stuff he's doing works perfectly here. I can really see this being a hit movie theme type song. I really liked
0: it. I'm with you. Those are, those are pretty much exactly what I had written down. It's a movie song. It could be the 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 theme to a song. It could be the, the credits rolling for it. it. It's a it's very anthemic, you know. Obviously, the lyrical topic is about people kind of, you know, finding their identity or making you feel like odd or whatever. You know, with with restless ones, we're out on the wasteland of broken dreams. That kind of stuff. Very anthemic. Very eighties. Um, I like the chorus. Uh, it's it's it it's a it's not a bad song. Uh, the lyrics are a little bit corny. It's of the time, but you could see what they're trying to write with the song. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is not a bad song for me. This is, this is, this is fairly decent for me.
2: The restless ones written by John Waite, Jonathan Cain and Ricky Phillips. Um, the synth keyboards. I thought it was like very kind of white snake opening as far as the quick keyboards or early white snake. Oh, uh, on the streets. <laughs> well, here we go. The streets again in the beginning. Uh I put, you know, Neil's obviously good solo, nice drums. This is a nice '80s song, very '80s. This is Rod Stewart's "Forever Young," yes. "Downtown yep. Train." There you go. End of the Innocence. I like those songs by, too. Yeah, yep. end of yeah, the like Innocence those. by, uh, like uh, Don Henley. Don and Don then Henley. I also feel like this could be what you're talking about, like Legend of Billy Jean.
3: Yeah, all yeah. sound
2: like that. The ends with the restless ones. Or something like that but uh yeah it 's a decent song uh, i 'll agree with you guys there i 'm on that let 's uh rock our horse.
3: Oh. Yeah. am yeah. yeah.
1: rockin horse so neil's favorite song of the album big surprise since he's the one who brought it to the band i was thinking while i was listening to the other day because you guys you know you get into my head sometimes oh. the pace feels like riding a rockin horse stone gossard doing the little rockin
3: <laughs> horse yep, yeah. we're, slow and- the dance.
1: we're all doing the rockin horse now <laughs> here we go there we go um If you don't pay attention, you're going to miss a lot of little things that both Sean and Kane are doing. I really like the riff. I think the verses and the pre-choruses are good. The chorus is meh. And I was reading the lyrics again. I'm like, I'm assuming this song is about New York because that's where Waite was living at the time. Because he says, thank you, New York, at the end. Unless this song is about New York, there's absolutely no reason to say thank you, New York, at the end. I I don't understand that part, never have. Um, Overall, though, because the chorus is kind of, and it's kind of slow and plotting, this was one of the lesser songs for me.
0: Okay. Uh, I actually enjoyed this song because it's something completely different from the rest of the album. It's kind of got like a slow kind of groove to it, kind of like trying to like a southern rock kind of like bar band type of thing, which is unique for them. That being said, lyrically, half of the song is so goddamn embarrassing. I couldn't even really get through it by the jukebox at the Starlight Grill, kicking out an Elvis tune. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Come on. Like an outlaw, like Jesse James. Jesse James. All right. And then it gets worse (laughs) later on. Golden earring on the radio. Radar love is coming through. All right. We get it. You're trying to you're trying hard. Lyrically, it's kind of bad, but I, I like the tempo. I like the musically. I like it. They're trying something different. It's not a standard straight ahead pop rock song. It's got a little bit of an attitude to it. So I, I like it. I think it's I think it's it was a surprising song to hear on this album from them. Rockin' Horse uh,
2: written by Neil Sean, John Waite, Jonathan Kane. Uh, I have the three things that you both brought up. Thank you, New York lyric kicking out an Elvis tune, golden earring on the radio, Radar Love is coming through. I Whatever. I, I had that in there. But it's a nice riff, drums opening. I think this is a greasy song. Zeppish, yep. almost. Especially the drums. Um, the solo is fucking nasty. And then as I'm writing the stuff about this song, I'm like, this song actually rocks. Yeah, I love the outro on this. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, this is, like, kind of heavy. This is a fun, good rock song, like a hard rock song. Uh, I really like this. I thought this stood out. I think Neil kicks ass on this song. Really does. Mm -hmm. One song left. Don't walk away.
1: So Don't Walk Away, um, I know we're going to talk about it. It's written by Andy Hill and Peter Sinfield. So this is a second song that's written with outside writers. When I tell you who Andy Hill and Peter Sinfield is, you might understand why the song is the way it is. Andy Hill worked with Peter Cetera, Cher, Celine Dion, and Peter Sinfield is the f- a founder and lyricist for King Crimson. So they come from like more of a pop type background. I would have personally ended the album most likely with rock and horse. So it's a little more of a faster pace, but I think this song is awesome. Total pop hit. I love the bridge weights, basically begging, um, for like, don't go. And then i like the end because it changes up a little bit with the backing vocals, right? Cause when, when they're saying baby don't walk away, the lines that the backing vocals are saying is every cloud has a silver lining. If You Look Hard Enough, uh, You'll Find Love Shining. I, it works for me because it changes it up a little bit. I re- This song is well-written, and again, it's a perfect song for a weight solo album. This fit John's voice very, very well. I just think it's kind of odd to end the album this way by far the worst song on the album,
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is why I love doing this podcast with you guys. When this song came up, so I'll just put 13 on yours right now. <laughs> okay. There you go. I, I, I wrote, this is teenage girl music, weak dentist office <laughs> music. It is such a wimpy, just it, it, it you're right. It's John Waite solo music. That's bad. It's uh, this uh, This album is so interesting to talk about because with 13 songs, they have tried to check off everything. The rocker, the ballad, the upbeat rocker, the slow rocker, the, 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 the don't walk away, which is like a adult contemporary ballad kind of thing. It, it, it's they're trying to do everything, but this is this pushes the buttons too hard for me on the cheesiness, the corniness, the sappiness. I, I couldn't I couldn't get around this song. This this is a weak one for me.
2: Don't walk away fourth single. Only in the UK though. Uh Andy Hill and Peter Sinfield um are the writers on this. It's a popish type song. It's it's a decent slow tune. John Waite's voice makes this somewhat work, I put. The ending where John gets a little bit passionate, I like, at the end. That little outro he's doing. Um, but you're right. Like, the music stuff makes me think of, like, Spando Ballet or something, like, in the 80s. There like you go. Like, some, like, <laughs> yeah, keyboard. I love that song. Is there any guitar in <laughs> it? You're like, is there guitar on this song? Is it like, is if someone there playing is, a xylophone? No distortion. If, yeah, yeah if there is. there is
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, it's just, it, it's very... It, Can it work? Yeah. You can hear it in the background. You can be like, okay. It's not possession bad, but (laughs) it's not. It's, you know, nothing that I really want to go to. When I think of like Don't Walk Away, then I think of When I See You Smile and Price of Love and the catchiness of that ballad. This is just, I don't know. Is this a ballad or is it just like wimpy? Right? It's just,
0: I, I don't know. I like that song. I, I like Spandau Ballet better than this
3: song. Dude,
0: I
2: have a fucking weird remembrance of that Spandau Ballet song. Yeah, it's from Weird and Weird Science. No, but like in general. <laughs> oh, Do you remember the guy that used to do like the countdowns in Boston? I think his name was Uncle Dale. He would do like, what's his oh, name? Dale Dorman on Kiss <laughs> 108? Yeah, I don't know. I think that was it. And he would do these songs. And I remember he would always like, oh, this song by Spandau, by the very handsome lead singer they have. Oh Jesus. I'm like, why the fuck does he keep referring to this guy as handsome, the lead singer for him? Like it's not like it was like um something crazy. Like Duran Duran had like like weird looks and like things like yeah. The, the, the spando ballet, why do you keep saying he's handsome? Like, what am I listening <laughs> to? Oh, it was just horrible, horrible music back then. But anyway, um that's the end of these songs. Wow, we made it. 13 of them. Um, Overall thoughts. Sonny, this is your album.
1: So to me, it blends. The album blends pop elements with rock. It's a blend of John weight, baby's journey. You got name recognition to me, equated to a great album by the end band got killed off by egos and the musical landscape and you know, blah, 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 changing. I would say, Neil Sean and Jonathan Cain are fucking magicians because they made it work with Steve Perry. And then they made it work with John Waite and you cannot get two different type of singers. So obviously these guys know how to write great songs. The lyrics are what they are. Musically, the songs are great. And, and uh, Zeus, you said it, Neil's a MVP of this album. There's absolutely no doubt because he knows how to, insert himself appropriately where if you get Yngwie in this band
0: oh. this is a di- absolute disaster oh yeah yeah look I, uh, I the album is long it's got 13 songs like i've already said there's a lot going on with different different types of songs different genres that they're trying to they're trying to manage i was pleasantly surprised um I'll be honest. When I first heard the album, my first take was like, Hey, Whoa, wait a minute. I don't know about this. And then, you know, like most of these things, you give it another chance. You keep listening to it at a different time of day or in a different mood or a different activity. And I'm like, okay, I get what they're doing. It's late eighties, melodic, hooky pop rock. This is what they're trying to do. And they do some of it very, very, very well. They do some of it very, very poorly. Um, but I, I was pleasantly surprised with what I with what I heard. There are some songs on here that I will absolutely not go back to. And there are some songs on this album that I will absolutely seek out. Um, so that was that was pleasant for me to 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 learn from this. And that's why I'm glad people sometimes in this we pick albums that we don't know about, so you can kind of learn some new things and hear some new things.
2: So for me, bad English is gonna go into the ARC shuffle on my phone, and I always from time to time i'll hit arc shuffle and listen to it when songs on this come up i've yet to have something like dude i'm not putting that fucking on i just can't this album is good i like it the problem with this album is that it didn't stand the test of time so that when the new genre and the new type of music like grunge and stuff came in that it would stand it on its own and still be You know, on my playlist, it just got pushed aside because I like other music more. Uh, But I like this and I will listen to this and I will have this in here and it's better than most people expected. And I'm glad because it sounds like it's better than what Tom expected. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad Sonny picked it because I like not having the, the I mean, I like talking about albums that I love, but I also like discovering stuff and digging into stuff and mm-hmm. having this conversation of not knowing where anyone is going to pick something. And we're all over the place, all three of us on this. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's the case, Sonny. We're going to rank the tracks. You ready to start this one off? This is yours. All right.
0: Number 13 for me, lay down 13 for me. Don't walk away 13 for me with a bullet
2: possession. Ooh, wow.
1: We're going to be all over the place. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> all right. 12 for me. Rocking horse. What? 12 lay down. Uh, 12 for me. Ghost in your heart. 11 for me. Ready when you are. What? Oh, my God. 11 for me. Ghost in your heart. 11
2: for me. Tough times don't last but this song seems like it does forever.
0: <laughs> 10 for me was tough times don't last. 10 for me when I see you smile. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um
2: 10 for me don't walk away.
0: Uh
1: 9 for me the restless ones. That's my number 9
0: restless ones.
2: A rarity on ARC. Restless one, number nine,
0: across Ooh, the board. Wow. We don't okay. get that often. All right. No.
1: No, we do not. My number eight, ghost in your heart.
2: Eight, rocking horse. Eight, ready when you are.
1: All right. My number seven, heaven is a four-letter
0: word, and neither is seven. Seven, possession. Oh. should be so much lower.
2: Uh, Number seven for me, Lay Down. Oof. Wow. (laughs)
1: Wow. All right. Number six for me,
0: Best of What I Got. No! Number six, and this would have been higher for me if it wasn't for that god-awful song title. Number six, Tough Times Don't Last. Uh, Number six for me,
2: Heaven is a Four-Letter Word.
1: Number five for me, when I see your smiling picket fence. Teeth. <laughs> number five, price of
2: love. Uh, number five, price of love.
1: Wow. All right. Number four for me was Don't Walk Away.
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> I love that song. Love it.
0: Four best of what I got.
2: Uh, Number four for me, rocking horse.
1: Wow. <laughs> All right. Three for me. I know you guys hated it. Possession.
0: I didn't hate it as much as Zeus did. Zeus fucking oh. hated it. <laughs> <laughs> three. Oh. Heaven is a four letter word. Uh,
2: number three for me, when I see you smile. i get gassy all right no
1: number two for me forget me not
0: number two for me ready when you are oh wow
2: dude that bottom that ending part doesn't throw it down
0: it does but the rest of the song i really like <laughs> sweat baby <laughs> wow number
2: two forget me not
1: and fuck my is that number, number two one, for you
2: guys
0: my number one price of love good song number one forget me not number one for me
2: best of what i got love right. that as an opening song
0: good song yep all right wow what do we get for the average there oh, it's just gonna take them a while it's, uh, it's gonna be all over the all place
1: right. so tied well number I, i'm gonna give you the top four because two tied for number two so number three was heaven is a four-letter word Tied for number two was The Price of Love and Best of What I Got. And number one was Forget Me Not.
0: Okay. So that that all kind of makes some sense there.
2: So now comes the fun part. We're going to rank this against the
0: previous albums we've reviewed. Tom, want to tell everybody what we've ranked so far? Yes. So in chronological order, we got Appetite for Destruction, Slide It In, OU812, Super Unknown, Pyromania, Load, Peace of Mind, Bon Jovi, Blizzard of Oz, Jar of Flies, Winger, Single Soundtrack, Mechanical Residence, Odyssey, Hailstorm, Detonator, Highway to Hell, Once Bitten, Look What the Cat Dragged In, Hotel California, and Back for the Attack. And ten. All right. With that,
2: let's do album covers first. Sonny, what are your... uh album cover rankings top five
1: yeah so my top five uh my fifth was blizzard of oz once bitten was fourth hotel california hotel California. uh, hotel california three uh (laughs) slided in one and peace of mind two my worst was load i've got this one at number 14 uh in between back for the attack and detonator and just because you know it's a picture of the band and uh you know it's still better than that flat chested boy that's on singles. So
0: I had to go with uh, bad English at number 14. All right. Tom? So so for me, covers my top five. Five is Pyromania, four is Appetite for Destruction, three, peace of mind, two Highway to Hell, one Blizzard of Oz. Uh, my last album r- ranked cover. My last ranked album cover is Detonator by Rat. And Bad English is going right above that second to last horrible picture of the band second to last. (laughs) Wow. Yep. Number 22 for me in album covers. Wow. That's interesting. All right. For me,
2: I had Hotel California, Blizzard of Oz, Appetite, Peace of Mind, Slide It In. Uh, Where am I putting this album cover? I will put it. Um right um right on uh, I guess right under Bon Jovi. Uh so that means it'll be number 17 for me. Right okay. above Hailstorm. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Now let's go to actual album. Uh-oh. Yep. Yeah. So, Sonny, want to let us know where this is for you? Why why don't you tell us your top five first?
1: Yeah. So, my top five uh, albums so far have been number five, Once Bitten, four, Mechanical Resonance, three, Appetite, two, Slided In, one, Hailstorm, and my last was Load. And this album is going to go at number nine in between Winger and Peace of Mind.
0: So, you have it up. You have it. Okay. So, you have Winger. English peace of mind. That's that that trio. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, eight, nine, okay. ten. Okay, all right. Uh, my top five is uh, five Highway to Hell, four Pyromania, three Single Soundtrack, two Mechanical Resonance, and one Ten. And my last ranked album is Poison. Look what the cat dragged in. Um, this album is going to fare a lot better than I thought it was going to when I first started to listen to it, but it's still going to be near the bottom. Um, I have it at twenty. I have it above Look What The Cat Dragged In, above Peace of Mind, above Bon Jovi, and right below OU812. So it's number 20 for me. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. For me, top five, Hotel California, Blizzard of Oz, Pyromania, Appetiti, Back For The Attack. My last couple albums are Sunny Poony Whoppers. (laughs) Actually, the last three, Uh, OU812, Look What The Cat Dragged In, and Winger Dead Last. Where am I putting bad English? I'm going to put this slightly ahead of Hailstorm. So I'm putting this at 18. I like all of Hailstorm's album. I don't really dislike any songs on that. Mm -hmm. The problem is I put more weight into the fact that I really like some songs on bad English, Mm -hmm. but there are songs I fucking can't stand. (laughs) But I still would pick this to have bad English over a hailstorm if I had a choice Um, and I have that as number 18 for me and that's where I'm at
0: wow yeah final thoughts I'm glad we did it you know something different Um, I found myself pleasantly surprised by what I discovered
1: Uh, for me brought back a lot of memories I mean you know Think about all the memories you had at 19, 20, 21 years old. Like th- th- I was having those kind of memories pop in. Mm-hmm. Some were good. Some were not so good. Some were drunk. Most were drunk, not very, very sober. Um, but, uh, it just kind of reminded me of some great times and some things I hadn't thought of in a long time.
2: That's nice. good to hear. Uh, this just reminds me of why I like doing this show. Um, an album that was kind of forgotten was out there. I probably wouldn't grab it, uh, but for Sonny picking this and I'm glad he did. It'll be in my rotation and we hope that you guys will give this a shot and let us know what you think. So
1: now that there was a second album, by the way. Yeah, I know it is called backlash It sold eight copies i have one
2: (laughs) (laughs) i heard they broke up after while the the album was mixing they're like fuck this i i don't want to be in an out in a band with you either and uh,
1: yeah yeah they played one time in the bay released that one video and they were done wow yeah
2: Yeah, that's what happens unfortunately to a lot of these bands so that being said it's time for this Sonny, what makes you rock hard this uh, month?
1: So I'm going to go with a Spotify playlist that I made. And the Spotify playlist is uh, the greatest hits, in my opinion, of the three uh, albums from Revolution Saints. So Revolution Saints is a trio. Doug Aldridge on guitar. He's been in White the old House of Lords, Dead Daisies. Jack Blades on bass from Night Ranger and Dean Castronovo, uh, Castronovo on drums and vocals. So you can kind of hear what Dean sounds like as a singer. They've been around since 2014. Serafino, who's the CEO of Frontiers, likes putting these super groups together. So we kind of put this together. They got three albums out there. self title came out in 2015, Light in the Dark in 2017, and Rise in 2020. I will tell you, Dean has a great voice. I sent the song to three people yesterday, the two of you that didn't listen to it and our buddy Murph who did. And he sent me something back saying, he sounds like a raspier Steve Perry. That is exactly dead on what he sounds like. And when he sings those ballads from journey, they just have a little more grit to them instead of having that cleaner voice that uh, Steve Perry has. He's even sang these songs in journey as, as Arnell's been in the band. Um, so he still sings um, when he can, obviously, if you want to give revolution saints, a real shot, the three albums, uh, you know, that'd be a long listen. So my Spotify playlist is called revolution saints, greatest hits. Just look it up on Spotify and take a listen, see what you like.
0: Cool. All right. So for me, so uh, it's October. Um, That means it's Halloween season. That means it's horror movie season, spooky TV shit. So I watched, in one weekend, I watched it, the newly released Netflix uh, limited series called Midnight Mass. Uh, it is directed by Mike Flanagan. If you're a horror movie or a horror fan, you know who Mike Flanagan is. He directed the Haunting of Hill House series on Netflix, the Haunting of Bly Manor series on Netflix. And he's directed a couple of other fantastic uh, movies, too. He did a, a adaptation of Stephen King's book, Gerald's Game, which was mind-blowing. Did this really underrated movie on Netflix called Hush. Uh, and he has his wife in every movie and every project that he does. Her name is Kate Siegel. She's beautiful. She's amazing. Um, this series is absolutely mind blowing, batshit crazy. Uh, it's not for everyone, but I can't recommend it enough if you're in the mood for something totally fucking bonkers. Um, it's seven episodes uh, and it takes place on a small, isolated island community. Um, where a lot of the people on the Island, uh, it's population of about a hundred people. They obviously all know each other. They all, everybody knows everybody's business and dirty laundry. Um, but the focal point of the Island is a church that everybody goes to. And one day they get to church and they realize that the pastor that they see every, every mass is no longer there. And he's been replaced by a young man. That's all I'm going to say, because anything else would be a spoiler. Um, Once the reveal is given the story and those final two episodes are absolutely off the fucking wall. I've talked to some friends at work about this. Even if you walk away from this saying, I didn't like that, you will not be able to forget it because it's a unique story. If you love Stephen King, and this is not based on Stephen King, it pulls from things like the stand Salem's lot, the shining, it's very heavily influenced by King and it's really, really interesting and it's totally off the wall. So, Midnight Mass Netflix original series. By King? Does he have like erasers and exacto hey, knives
2: yes. thrown at him? <laughs> My old uh, junior high teacher. There he is. Yeah. I have been on such a huge binging thing that I was like, I have to have this done for this week's episode to talk about this show that I watched. Uh, The guys on our our group text know that I I have a fan favorite um, that I'm a big fan of the actress Michaela McManus. I just think she's gorgeous. That's my that's my wife in another life. I just think she's awesome. And she put out that she was going to be on this Netflix show called You. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, oh, shit. Now I got to watch this. Holy fuck. I watched this. There's third season's coming up. Yep. There's 10 episodes each season. I just finished season two. Holy fuck. Yep. It is beyond fucking creepy. There are so many things, emotions that you get into. Sometimes you're like, dude, there's nobody redeeming in this whole fucking show. Or okay, I'm in agreement with this character. And then two seconds later, just one little thing pops up and his whole philosophy, because a lot of the story is being told from what's going on in his mind and he's saying things out loud. And then he's like, well, gee, I never saw it this way. Maybe this is what it'd be like. Dude, no, 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 go back. What the fuck? You keep changing your philosophy on things. Anyways, it's about this guy named Joe Goldberg. He's like a bookstore manager and starts off like that. And it's a cute little innocent flirtatious scene that opens it up and he meets this girl and it just becomes into this like fucking stalking obsession, like romance. Now, like every female should see this show to be like, fuck that. I Take their profiles off of like the Internet because it's it's really out there. Season two continues on that theme. There's a lot of like, what the fuck just happened? Holy shit. No, don't do that. And it's so, I don't know. You'll be talking about this. You'll be thinking about this. It's like a psychological thriller. It's on Netflix. I don't think it started on Netflix. I think it was on Lifetime. I can't believe it was on Lifetime. And it stars the guy from uh, Gossip Girl. Uh, Penn Badgley, I think is how you pronounce his name, and it's got a couple of really hot chicks in this for you, dirty bastards out there. And uh, there's a lot of sex scenes and a lot of shit going on. Um, it's insane. It's insane. I watched season, epi- uh, season two, and I'm like, well, this isn't as good as season one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What the fuck you'll be talking about, and now. I feel like I have to go on this show to protect my girl because she's going to be on season three as the new person that she's going to stalk, apparently, and I got to protect her because she's too fucking hot. And uh, it's it's amazing. I I can't I can't like stop thinking, and it stays with you after you see it. It's called You Y O U, and it's on Netflix. I think season three will be out. I think on the day this episode comes out you guys really should check it out
0: it's fucking insane it is insane I it's can't so good you've seen this oh, I've, I've, oh you've you never said me?
2: anything to me that you
0: no no, no. I, I remember watching it and being my mind was just the first season was excellent then the second season was I was like what the fuck yeah. the guy who the the main character yeah. is terrifying. It's amazing that the season three actually comes out Friday, the 15th, October 15th. Friday is when season three drops on Netflix. So although he, although he has
2: a boy's body, that makes me think, like, how is he doing all these things? Like, he's like a little
0: wimp. The girl should beat him up. Oh, yeah. Agreed. It's kind of like it's kind of like if John Waite made a series about his song Possession, this yeah, would be yeah. it. Wow. <laughs>
2: exactly. Is it gory? Is no, it no, no. gory?
3: No,
0: no, no, no. no. It's no. More, it's just thriller. Dude, psychological like thi- suspense this is like but there's not was- this
1: like screaming and heads cutting off no 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 no, 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 no
0: no 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 not at all no 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 No, no. it's like uh,
2: a guy you'd see it like this guy needs a restraining order yeah like, he exactly. sees the new girl it starts off as innocent yeah and he's like look let me see what i can find out about her and then boom he's got her home address boom he's walking by boom yeah. he's seeing this oh all of a sudden he's sh- purposely because he now he's fucking spying on her showing up a certain thing like he's a fucking guy out of control his whole backstory to him like I remember you talking about this on the ACDC episode about Night Prowler oh yeah this is what I'm thinking about for you like watch this show and you're gonna be like what the fuck and all the prancing around in people's places that I'm like dude nobody would take these risks like this or he'll be standing around the people in the kitchen laughing and he's like breaking in their places and going i'm like dude you'd be scared you're gonna get caught how's he not nervous that they're gonna hear his footsteps or an alarm or something like that it's just there's a lot of it's out there it's out yeah there. and but I, there's
0: no there's no but there's no it's not like horror with like with like no, murder like gore yeah. and
1: stuff yeah. I, I don't mind eerie and stuff I, i'll 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 draw a weird line for you um i really enjoyed the latest joker movie Okay. But that's yeah. the line for me, right? Yeah, There's a little more then. there, but not yeah. too no, much. It's not like but it, he it's... did a great job in that movie,
2: right? Like, he did.
0: I, I kind of like that. Yep.
2: Yeah, you'll. Then you see. would like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would yeah. like you. It's not Dexter where he's like fucking no. going out. Like yeah, his whole yeah, thing Dexter's is rough. like his whole thing is like in his head. He just wants to protect these people. He loves these people. Like, let me get all yeah. these bad people out of your lives by stalking you and doing things. To get other people out of your life to protect you because i love you he's yep. not out there with an axe like i'm gonna fucking murder oh
0: no, no 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 it's okay. not
2: like that but you will fucking be enthralled uh yeah. it, it's really over the top and i need to go protect my girl for next
0: to me to me, <laughs> to, to me the, the the chicken season one is just mind-blowingly stunning it, like, oh she's, you
2: like her she's, oh um, yeah. she was in she was also in um that show with Fucking John Waite's twin, there, the Stilskin guy. She played out uh, what, whatever the redhead sister is from Frozen. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. She yep, played yep, that.
2: Yeah, uh, she was really cute, and her friend, the annoying friend, was pretty hot too.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's it's great. Check it out. It's very disturbing and very very well acted and written. The
2: two chicks in part in season two are pretty hot too.
0: Yes. Oh yeah.
2: Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, there's some good scenes in there, Sonny. You'll enjoy it. Uh, you're not selling me because we don't like the same women. You're not selling me here. No, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, you, these
0: yeah, these girls watch. These girls see. are universally
2: hot.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't like fat chicks, so <laughs> that's all right. Before we take off, Sonny, why don't you tell people where they can find us? Besides the Kiss Cruise coming up. Woo!
1: Yeah, baby, Kiss Cruise. Uh, I'm easy I'm on all the socials out there except for Instagram uh, honestly but uh growinguprock.com podcast rock city you can find me on Twitter or Facebook um but no it's uh, I'm easy to find because cool. you know you have a lot of comments about the way I feel about certain issues and it it uh, enthralls some people and then it enrages others
0: so That's true that's true Interesting yeah. And uh, shout it out loudcast. So, if this is your first time hearing us, we are an all kiss podcast that drops kiss related episodes every Saturday. And then we do this album review crew episodes once a month where we each rotate and uh, pick an album. Uh, but you can find us on all the social medias Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can reach out to us and contact us at our email, shout it out at gmail.com, or you can send us DMs on all the social medias. Um, and we're part of the great Pantheon podcast network of shows. Tons of great stuff there. Uh, so we're easy to find. Let us know uh, what you think of bad English. Let us know what you think of some of the albums and uh, maybe some ideas for future picks that we're going to do.
2: You can always DM us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, get subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube. channel. Uh, we appreciate that. And also give us one of those five star,
3: star.
2: child reviews uh, that helps people find our podcast. We'd like to give a shout out to our buddy, Ed. At Click T-Shop, he has our uh, Kiss Shout It Out Loudcast merch and album review crew and Zepp Chronicles T-shirts. So go check him out if you're interested in anything like that. Don't forget our Patreon account. Patreon is where you can come and help us and join the family and find out more about the show. You can find out on Patreon.com, Patreon the app, or on the episode notes where you'll see a link to Patreon. And see if that's anything that interests you. And finally, tip of the hat to all our friends over on the Pantheon Podcast Network. And, uh, you know, we got uh, Jay from the Hook Rocks over there. We've got uh, uh, our buddy uh, Carmine (laughs) Apiece and uh, a few others that we're friendly with, including Martin Popoff. And some others. Uh, take a look at some of the podcasts on there. You'll really enjoy them. I think you will. So, uh, and finally, the email shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast gmail.com. Uh, first up on famous last words, Mr. Sonny Pooney.
1: A thousand lifetimes ago, we made a promise we would not let go. And so I come for you tonight. And we live again before we lose each other.
0: Oh boy. You say now that your heart is breaking from the wild times that you've lived. Better measure the risk that you're taking. Hey, babe, it can only get better.
2: (laughs) Baby, I've been so lonely. What's a man supposed to do out in the sun with passion out of my head for you. Proof. Papa's got the fever. Just let it run its course. Take it up by the river. I'm going to give you more. (sighs) Settle
0: down. Toothy weight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Make sure we tag them. Sonny. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Kiss Army, Loudcasters. Thank you.
1: Yeah, always a great time. And just remember, when I touch you, you'll be touched by oh. love, by love,
0: by love. Oh, guys, always a great time. Sunny, fun pick. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Zeus, as always, thank you. And remember, tough times don't last. <laughs> Lovers do. <laughs> the album crew episodes
2: do. Don't forget. Next month is my pick. Yes. Peace out, Girl Scout.